Hello everyone, I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey and this is the 42nd episode of my podcast, Perception is Reality. I'm coming to you live during the recording of this event from Muncie Central High School Auditorium in Muncie, Delaware County, Indiana. It is Thursday, September 26, 2019, and Ball State University, along with the Bowen Center for Public Affairs, is holding a candidate forum for the mayoral candidates and the city council candidates for the city of Muncie. This forum is being sponsored by the Citizens of Delaware County for Good Government, Mid-Eastern Indiana Association of Realtors, and Farm Bureau of Delaware County, Indiana. Tonight's forum will be taking a look at the contested mayoral race as well as the contested city council seats. However, we will not be hearing from the candidates running for Muncie City Clerk. During this program, you'll be hearing from the candidates giving their answers to various questions throughout the evening. I will also be interjecting throughout different points of the broadcast to offer analysis or commentary on various questions and answers by various candidates. If you are wanting to listen to the full and uninterrupted broadcast of tonight's forum from start to finish, you can do so by visiting my Facebook page at Christopher H. Bilbury or by going to www.facebook.com backslash Bilbury 318. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318. There, the forum will be streamed live as well as available for replay after the event is over. I will also leave a link to that page in the description of this podcast. And again, thank you for tuning in to this 42nd episode of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Please share this with any voters you know from the city of Muncie. And without further delay, let's get this candidate forum underway. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. And now, Perception is Reality with your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Tonight's forum will start off with the candidates running for Muncie City Council. We will be hearing from the following candidates for the at-large council seats. Republicans Aaron Clark, Troy Ingram, and Richard Ivey, and Democrat incumbent Nora Evans-Powell, and Democrat incumbent Linda Gregory. Democrat candidate Watasha Griffin did not respond to attempts to contact her. We will then be hearing from Republican candidate Ralph Smith for District 1 City Council. Democrat incumbent Doug Marshall was unavailable due to illness. We will also be hearing from the Republican candidate for District 2 City Council, Brandon Murphy, and the Democrat candidate for the same seat, Jeff Robinson. For District 3 City Council, we will be hearing from Republican candidate Scott Peloch and Libertarian candidate Brantley Spicer. Attempts to contact Democrat candidate Ray Dudley were unsuccessful. For District 4 City Council, we will be hearing from Republican incumbent Brad Polk and Green Party candidate Monica James. Attempts to contact Democrat incumbent Jerry Dishman for District 5 City Council and Democrat candidate Anitra Davis for District 6 City Council both were unsuccessful. Let's go ahead now and join the candidates ready on the stage. Okay, each council candidate will make an opening statement of no more than 60 seconds. Mr. Clark. Thank you. Um, my name is Aaron Clark. 
an at-large candidate for Muncie City Council. I'm passionate about the future of our city. I'm a lifelong resident. I'm a graduate of Muncie Central High School at Ball State University. My wife, Maria, and I choose to live in Muncie. We're choosing to raise our family here. We love this city. We love the traditions of this city. We love the opportunity of this city. But we do not like the direction that our city's heading. We've given our time and resources back over the 16 years of our marriage. We decided that the next step was to offer our time and resources at the next level to help our city turn around, to come to a point where we can join with citizens and let our voice be heard. I want to just ask you to uh, listen tonight and consider coming along with us on this journey. When I say we, it's my wife and I and my children and you, and I'm, I'm honored to be your minister. I'm Linda Gregory, and I've been more one of your at-large council persons since 2008. It's been a privilege to serve, and I'd certainly like to continue to do that. I feel like a veteran because not only have I been on council that long, for the eight or nine years prior to that, I went to every city council meeting after first going to one because of a zoning change in our neighborhood that I thought was really stupid. Uh, I thought, I can do better than that. And so I started going to meetings every month and basically got hooked on politics and on government. I think it's important that we have good government and there are a number of things we can do as citizens to make that happen, not the least of which is voting. But we also have to be informed. So thank you for coming tonight to get informed. Good evening. My name is Troy Ingram. I'm running for city council at large. First off, I want to thank everybody for coming uh, here tonight so you can get an idea of uh, who you should vote for. I was born and raised here in Muncie, Indiana. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Lori Black Ingram. We have eight children and we have three grandchildren. So I feel I'm really vested in my community. Um, I'm also very concerned about my community. I don't like the way that it is headed. I hope that uh, tonight you can get an idea of what I stand for so that um, I might be able to earn your vote. Thank you once again. Richard Ivey, I'm born and raised here in Muncie. I've been married to my wife for 30 years. We celebrated that in uh, August. I have three kids, of which all have one grandchild, and I'm very proud of that. I've been, I've been involved in Muncie community uh, for a very long time. In the capacity of youth programming and things of that nature over the last 30 years, and I think it's time I get involved in more roundabout government, uh, seeing the direction it's been going lately, and that there's a disconnect between our community and our council. And I think with my experience with putting programs together from all around the city and being successful with that, I think I can uh, add a lot of positive impact to the city council for the sake of our community. Thank you. Good evening. I want to my name is Nora Powell and I want to thank the Bowen Center and the other entities that have sponsored this forum this evening. I think that it's very important as we move into this next election that people become very informed about the candidates which are asking for your vote. 
I am a Muncie native, and I went to Muncie Central, graduated, walked right across the stage, um, graduated with honors from the University of South Alabama, and came back to Muncie and brought my family back here to raise them as I had been brought up. I've been involved in my community since I was about seven years old in our neighborhood association and things along those lines. Um, I work as an occupational therapist for the Muncie Community School System, and I work service nine different schools in our area, so I'm in, the, in all areas of the school. Um, I look forward to your questions this evening, and I think this is a great start for this discussion. Thank you. Of those five candidates that just spoke for the at-large race, keep in mind you have six candidates running of which the top three vote-getters get the seats. You have three at-large councilors on the Muncie City Council. So the three top vote-getters will win those seats. It could be three Republicans. It could be three Democrats. It could be two Republicans and one Democrat. It could be two Democrats and one Republican. If you, the voters of Muncie, are wanting change, a change away from corruption, a change away from the system that it always has been, a change for positive movement in a positive direction, then you need to seriously consider casting your votes for Republican candidates Richard Ivey, Troy Ingram, and Aaron Clark. If you're a Democrat voter that cannot vote Republican or will not vote Republican, I would ask that you vote for the candidate that was not there this evening, Watasha Griffin, and leave the other two Democrat candidates blank that you did hear from, Linda Gregory and Nora Powell. Those two candidates are absolutely votes for the status quo, the way it's always been, more of the same. Okay, let's get back to the forum. Uh, Rob Ginger Smith, and I would like to thank our host tonight and uh, all of you for coming out to uh, listen to our ideas about the future of our city. I am running for uh, City Council District 1 as a Republican. And actually, the last time I was on this stage, I was debating Mayor Dan Cannon. In 1999, I was the Democrat running against him as a Republican. We became friends during that campaign and remain friends today. Born and raised here in Muncie, lived here all my life, except for the 20 years that I was in the Air Force. My wife and I, Chris, uh, uh, Christy, both retired from the Air Force in 96. We have 10 grandchildren, three children, and two great-grandchildren. I would appreciate your choosing to uh, stop. <laughs> uh, good evening. I'm Brandon Murphy. I want to thank uh, the Bone Center as well. I'll be able to put this event a lot. Uh, my background is as a trial attorney. I've got uh, West Dell High School, graduated from Ball State, and then obtained uh, a law degree from Ole Miss. Small business owner. I'm also an educator. I teach in the criminal justice department of all state. Uh, I'm dedicated to this community. I'm dedicated to my neighborhood. Uh, place I put over 400 pro bono hours in my law practice every year for the past seven years. 
to help serve my community and the public defender. I think all those things are important. I have certain priorities I hope we can get into tonight, but I appreciate all your time and attention. Good evening. Uh, I'd like to also thank the, uh, the people who put this together and, of course, the Bowen Center for Public Affairs. My name is Jeff Robinson. I'm running for City Council in the 2nd District. Uh, I'm a Muncie native. I grew up in the 2nd District, attending Anthony Elementary School, which dates me a little bit. Uh, but when the consolidation to Store Elementary, uh, Northside Middle School, uh, graduate here at Muncie Central, and uh, also an alumni of Ball State University. I spent the last better part of a decade and uh, the entirety of my career dedicated to the Muncie community. First, at the Horizon, uh, excuse me, the Muncie Visitors Bureau, the Horizon Convention Center, and now in my current role as Associate Executive Director at Cornerstone Center for the Arts. Each of these positions has been to leverage the resources of those organizations for the betterment of the entire community, and that's something that I've been committed to. Uh, we've done some meaningful things, and I'm ready to continue serving in a different capacity on the City Council. Thank you all for being here. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is uh, Scott Kaluch, and I am the uh, Republican candidate for City Council District 3. I am, uh, was born and raised in Muncie. I was a 1982 graduate of Northside High School, 1986 graduate of Ball State University. I am currently an educator with Muncie Community Schools. I have done that for 33 years, retired. My retirement lasted 31 days, so now I'm back again. Um, just couldn't stay away, and I thought that this would be a wonderful opportunity as well for uh, me to continue to help the community out by not only being a part of uh, Muncie Community Schools, but also to be uh, a part of, hopefully, our city government. I'm the father of two daughters, and I have an 18-month-old granddaughter who, of course, gets anything she wants. Thank all of you for coming tonight. I appreciate it. Good evening, everybody. My name is Brandon Spicer. I'm the Libertarian uh, Party candidate for District 3. Uh, unlike about everybody here, I can't claim to be a Muncie native. I was born and raised down in Seymour, Indiana. Uh, I went to Iraq in 2011, and after coming home, I packed up all of my stuff and moved to Muncie, where I've lived ever since. Um, you know, I plan on raising my daughter here, though. I've got, you know, my daughter's three years old. Uh, we're, you know, planning on being here for, you know, as long as we can. Um, but I just uh, appreciate you coming tonight, and hopefully you hear some wonderful things. Hi, my name is Monica James, and I've been in Muncie for 22 years. This is the second bout of my living in Muncie. Well, it's not born here, but I was born in Chicago, but pretty much I have been raised in the city of Muncie all my life, on and off, because I had split parents. One lived in Chicago, the other one lived in Muncie, Indiana. I have lived in District 4 for about 15 years, a little bit over. I am running for city council in District 4. I have did community service in um, city for 15 years. I have never been paid for the service I have given to my city. I believe it is a contribution that we have to pay it for. Not only that, I believe that our, our state believes in pulling yourself up by the bootstrap. I am a prime example of what it means to pull yourself up by the bootstrap. Good evening, my name is Brad.
Brad Polk. I'm the incumbent Republican candidate for District 4 City Council. I want to thank the Bowen Center and all the sponsors for tonight's uh, forum. It's given us this opportunity. Um, I was, I too was born and raised in Muncie, Indiana, Muncie Central graduate as well as Ball State graduate. Um, and I graduated with a degree in, in finance, uh, a Bachelor of Science. Um, that right there alone puts me a head, head above and shoulders above my opponent. Um, with my background also in, in um, as a loan officer for over 15 years at a local credit union, I, I believe I bring quite a bit of financial knowledge to the council along with my time in the council. Um, I will continue to serve Muncie and my in the district for uh, the constituents and also serve Muncie. Thank you. Mr. Polk will be first to answer this question, and then we'll come back this way. One of the primary responsibilities of a legislative body, like a city council, is providing oversight of the executive branch, which in our case is the mayor and his or her administration, including the top level appointees. Looking ahead to the next four years, if you're on the council, how do you see the city council's role in providing this oversight? Okay, you're going to want to listen to the candidates' answers here. This is something that I really harp on. As a city council member, you have three roles. You're the fiscal body, you're the legislative body, and you're the representative body. And within those roles, you also have an investigative power and authority, as well as an oversight authority to make sure that the checks and balances that we've heard about since grade school are in place. You have powers to make sure that the people in positions in government besides council and those on your council are doing things according to to the laws of the state of Indiana, the city of Muncie, and of course the United States of America. So let's be extra careful to hear how these candidates answers this question. Council does provide oversight not only um, to all the department heads, but also um, to the executive branch. And we do that in the form of uh, passing a budget that the city of Muncie can, can live within those means. Um, currently, I'm sitting on the finance committee, um, and we started out this financial uh, budget session with a $5 million deficit. And myself and the other two members, we are working very hard to bring that into um, balance so we have a balanced budget moving forward. And that is the way that we can have checks and balances on the executive branch of uh, Muncie government. Thank you. I believe there's uh, oversight needed in budget reform really bad. Unfortunately, our city is heading for a state takeover. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because he said we started out with a $5 million um, deficit. I wonder exactly what the deficit is at the building, um, buying buildings and properties that they're taking over at this point in time. I have no idea, I have no insight to the information, but I believe that it's easy to find if we uh, look into the resources that they have spent. Thank you. 
I'll agree that the, that the financial aspect is probably the most important thing. And I think one of the things I can do as a libertarian candidate is, you know, one of the, one of the platforms of the libertarian party is fiscal responsibility. And so by maintaining a balanced budget and making cuts where we possibly can, I think we could help bring, in, bring that in a bit. Obviously, the uh, city council would deal with the budget. We would put budgetary, budgetary constraints on what the city was allowed to do. I think it's very important that we understand that we need to run our city government like we run our household, whereas we live within our means. We find out what it is that we can spend. We find out the best way to spend that, and we try to do so with cutting the least amount of services as possible. You know, a couple of the others have hit on this, and I think it is actually very, very important to, when the budget time comes, when it comes time to pass that budget, that's where we allow for the responsibility of the executive branch. And when there's reallocation of funding asked for, more scrutiny of those uh, reallocation of funds. Uh, every October, November, we see department head after department head come before council asking for more money. Uh, and very little questions asked to why that money is needed. And uh, certainly decisions with the Muncie Redevelopment Commission uh, under the mayor's direction to make sure we hold those folks accountable for the projects and to scrutinize those projects and demand a plan. And uh, certainly some economic uh, impact analysis on those before passing. Uh, oversight and investigatory uh, functions of city council is actually part of the city code. That's something that I think is very important not going to remember until uh, just this year. We've seen recent attempts at oversight uh, with regard to the EMS plan, but not seen it on our leading issue, public corruption. So I would uh, hope as part of the City Council and our new group of City Council persons uh, will look at uh, public corruption that we've had over the last eight years, and we'll uh, strictly scrutinize all budget requests. Furthermore, I think we need to hold all departments accountable for the budgets that they've been assigned. There we go. Ding, ding, ding. Republican candidate Brandon Murphy just said it there. Muncie City Ordinance 32.08 is the investigatory ordinance for the city council. This is what allows them to look into actions taken by members of their own council as well as other members of the Muncie City government, and take a look at what's going on. Can they remove an elected official from office? No, they can't. But can they take certain actions against members that might not be following the law or might be engaging in public corruption? Absolutely. This man is an attorney, he's smart, he's sharp, and he is somebody I would absolutely consider voting for. I have my eye on him, and he definitely has my attention. The spending in our city government and the Muncie Sanitary District is out of control, period. We are somewhere around $200 million in debt between the two. We have got to get that under control. We actually, I would uh, be in favor of stopping all new spending, period. All new spending must stop. If we don't get control, it's, it's going to take us between 20 and 30 years to pay off the debt that we're in right now. So my grandchildren will be taking this debt off if they choose to stay in Muncie. We 
We've got to get that under control. This is serious business. I don't run my household like that. We shouldn't be running this city and this sanitary district like that. One of the primary responsibilities of the legislative body, like a city council, is providing oversight of the executive branch, which in our case is the mayor and his or her administration, including the top level appointees. Looking ahead to the next four years, if you're on the council, how do you see the city council's role in providing this oversight? Well, I think one of the ways that I will do that is to continue to do what I've done, and that's ask questions and not stop asking questions until we get answers. Um, in the past, I've even had to submit formal requests for documents, um, which is which is troubling that, that the financial body of the city would have to su submit a request for those. Another thing that I would think that the council needs to do and what we've been trying to do and what I've done is to make sure that what the executive branch is doing complies with state law. And so again, if needed, I will reach out to independent legal advice to get a, an outside opinion on those things. I think that in regards to the budget, as Councilman Cole brought up, and we are on the Finance Committee together, along with Councilperson Gregory, I think it's important to note that we've gone line item by line item as we start to tackle this $5 million shortfall from the administration and, and walk that very delicate line between providing services, with, which you expect, and you get stewards with our tax dollars. <laughs> All right, really quick before we move on to Richard Ivey's answer. Nora Powell is giving us a, basically a Nora Powell answer. She's telling us the same thing that she always says, and she's talking about all these wonderful superhero save-the-day type things that she does. But here's the deal. Superman wasn't a hero because he caused the problems and then fixed them, a lot of what goes on, a lot of the fights within the Muncie City government between the administration and Nora Powell are Nora Powell-made issues that then she then attempts to save the day with. That is kind of her M.O. And you have to understand, she didn't just start fighting the mayor of Muncie. She did that having the backing of the Democrat Party, or what we call 214. Keep in mind, you have to understand this. For a very long time, the mayor, Dennis Tyler, was 214 strong. And so he, 214, and Nora Powell would have all been on the same side. But since he's a lame duck, and because of issues currently going on within city government... For about the last year, 18 months, he has been on the outside of 214. So it's easy for Nora to stand against him because she has the backing and the power of Phil Nichols, Mike White. We've heard her talk about them being her go-to guys and her getting information from them and taking orders from them. And we've heard her in her own voice talk about discussing strategy with them like you hear in this tape that went around from a forum held back in the primary. Here's that tape now. I had a conversation with Phil Nichols, and I said, if, if the time comes that Dennis isn't running for mayor, I do want to be mayor someday. And that's what I told Phil Nichols and Mike White. You heard it there in her own words. 
that she talks to Phil Nichols and Mike White. All right, getting back to Richard Ivey. Uh, yeah, being the fiscal body arm of the city, it is our due diligence to monitor the spending that the mayor may wish to do with his vision. But we first got to start building relationships with our government. Uh, the mayor fighting this local body, this um, city council, it locks down opportunity. It locks down the ability to grow your company, your company, your city economically. I mean, all vision is not bad, but some is bad by our, by what we've been seeing for the last couple of years. And it is our responsibility to pull back the ropes on that, do our homework, do our diligence, and uh, budget reform on how they uh, budget their line items and, and take money from the general fund, from what I've been saying, and put it into the departments where we don't have a voting control or a decision to use it needs to change. So I think some of the most important things that we can do um, in order to uh, hold the mayor accountable for uh, the things that he's wanting to do, um, obviously financial uh, budget. Um, I noticed the, uh, throughout the financial meetings, um, a lot of the budgets were just passed over the same from the last year. Um, so obviously our departments aren't looking at their budgets close enough. Um, I, figured, I think we could look at those a lot closer. We could uh, bring a lot more money uh, out of those. Um, but I also think it's also important that we hold your voice um, to, to the mayor so that we can put what you guys are wanting um, in action and hold him accountable to that as well. City Council is a little different from other legislative bodies in terms of oversight. We're not like the Congress and the kinds of things that are going on there today. That's too often lately it's been more of an adversarial relationship. And I'm hoping that going forward, the relationship between the council and the mayor is much more collegial or a partnership and a collaboration. That's what it ought to be if we're gonna have the kind of city that we need and that we deserve. We do have a fiscal responsibility, and I think the council is doing the kind of job it needs to do. If you're curious, come to our finance meeting tomorrow night at 5.30. As Ms. Powell said, we are going line by line cutting. I believe as a, a council, we have to first promote uh, efficiency and work with the, the mayor's office. We have to do that by involving public input. Uh, these meetings have to be open not just during an election cycle, but they have to be open regularly. We have to encourage transparency from the mayor's office. We have to have open book policy where people can look and see what's going on where your money's being spent. We also need quarterly updates from our city leaders on where these monies are being spent, where the monies are going. And then we have to focus on reducing the debt that we've been piled on. We have to also remember that we have pension responsibilities that have to be maintained too. So it's up to us to be fiscally conservative, but also understand that we have duties as the council to hold the mayor's office responsible. 
Bam. Aaron Clark is a sharp dude. Okay. Uh, Mr. Gregory, we'll get this question first, and then we'll go that way and loop back around. So, audience member asks, what ideas do the candidates have in regenerating Muncie's economy besides TIF and construction of new industrial parks that haven't attracted expected development? Again, council's responsibility is not necessarily economic development. We have tools at our disposal, the maintenance bonds. We certainly exercise a lot of those in my time on council. And I think we need to continue to do those things. But I'm not convinced, I was on a panel this morning where we were talking about economic development and we're in a different era. We aren't going to get big manufacturers coming to Muncie like we had 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It's just different. I think we have to work with the mayor and do what we can to be supportive and create a community as individuals that other people want to come to. So, like Councilor Gregory said, um, we do um, can uh, do abatements and ordinances and such and stuff like that. But to me, that's part of the problem. Um, I, I use it as an example: the Bison Ridge project, project that was uh, actually shot down. Um, they wanted a ten-year abatement, I believe it was, but yet they said they've done a study that shows that that housing was needed. So that housing was needed. They're going to be making money. Why shouldn't we? So I think things like that are, are a good way to start to retain some of the, the tax money coming into our community. Um, also, obviously we have to get our infrastructure together. Um, we have to have uh, services, fire, EMS, um, uh, police. That's one of the first things that companies look for when they decide whether or not they want to, to try and invest in our community. So I think those are some important things that we need to do in order to bring um, new work, new patterns and stuff to our community. Yes, economic development is a positive thing. Um, I personally was involved in abatements, and I think they are a necessary arm of the city council. Um, I personally put 11 of them in in an eight-year period, and they all went to sunset, and I met all the criteria with it, and we were allowed to maintain a lot of employees and actually add to our employee base. So I think those are very important. Bonds uh, are kind of scary especially when you can't pay for the interest on them initially. So when you see that bond coming due, that is something that we need to be prepared for as a council, as a board, as a fiscal responsible party to the city for whether that those bonds won't crash and burn at the end. Um, we need to be supportive of a good vision that has positive outcomes for the community. Um, we need to take community input when we have larger programs such as that, and uh, like we did with the last couple that came up. And then infrastructure needs to be updated to entice people to move here. I think it's very important that the council work with the administration to attract businesses and make ourselves the most attractive um, community possible 
when we're courting <laughs> businesses and residents to move here and so we can grow our tax base. I think the responsible use of abatements and TIF districts and different bonding is vital. Um, it's one of those necessary evils, I think it's been called before, because no one really wants to do it, but when the other communities are offering those incentives, then we have to be willing to put that forward. But again, it needs to be done responsibly. I think infrastructure and the different ways that we can can work to make our community the most attractive that it is possible so that we can build our tax base, because ultimately that is something that has to happen from a, a concerted effort from both the administration um, and council and working with the county as well. Let me first just say, that, you know, I find it odd that my opponent cannot be here tonight. Uh, current president, been on council for eight years. He owes it to you to attend these events. Um, in order to, to attract new business, we have got to rid this city of corruption. I was on a team that assessed cities to move our missions to, move our operations to. I would have never considered moving any of our Air Force operations to Muncie, Indiana. We have got to stop and rid this city of corruption. It's our number one issue. Until we do that, we cannot right this ship, and it's going to be extremely difficult to attract. So we have got to focus on growing those businesses and helping those businesses that are here now uh, flourish. In order to regenerate uh, Muncie economy, I think two things are, need to be priorities. Number one, uh, focusing on the fundamentals of our infrastructure, our schools, to the extent that we can help them. The only way that we hurt schools is tip districts. Uh, second, I think we need to encourage private development and existing businesses. And honoring existing businesses means not giving tax abatements to new business, new businesses that we uh, want to bring down may hurt their competition. We should not be picking winners and losers in business with tax abatements. And then lastly, I agree that we have some necessary evils in abatements and bonds. But we need to be smarter and wiser for better economic development. And I'm hopeful that with the new administration and the new council, we'll take better projects for You know, I want to take a different approach than a lot of people. You know, I think the number one thing we need to do is focus on quality of life and quality of place initiatives when it comes to economic development. You know, the city of Muncie has a ton of jobs that a lot of those employees do not live in our community. If we could improve the quality of life and quality of place in our community and attract that talent to live in our community, then the free market will take care of the rest. If we have people here, those Ball State faculty living here, because we, have, we provide for them a great community with tons of amenities, then those people bring their dollars right here to Delaware County, right here to Muncie. If those people bring their dollars to Muncie, then like I said, the free market will take care of itself. Uh, we don't need the amount of abatements. We don't need those TIF districts because we'll have people here spending their dollars. Uh, this has been a part of the Vision 2021 plan of the Muncie-Delaware County Economic Development Alliance. It's a, a, something that I wholeheartedly support. It's some things that we've been doing over the course of the last several years, and I want to see that continue. I think the 
first thing that uh, we need to do in order to bring economic development to Muncie is we need to look from the inside out, not the outside in. We have some issues here in Muncie that we need to deal with. We need to work on providing uh, adequate public safety. We need to work on the infrastructure. We need to provide some upkeep on our parks and some youth programs, and we also need to improve our schools. We are uh, beginning to get that, and as a school teacher, I'm involved with this. Ball State has taken over our community schools. They have asked for a lot of input from us. They are working on the plan that will go to the state legislature in June. They are obviously not in a hurry because they want to do it the right way. And you do have to understand that in order for something to be turned around, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it didn't go down overnight, so it's going to take some time. Once we take care of some things on the inside, then we can start promoting people to come to Muncie with uh, jobs and economic growth. So I think the two biggest things are one, the infrastructure, you know, we want to you know, have a viable place for everyone, for businesses to come in. I think the other part is, you know, when we just uh, responsible, being responsible with the tax abatements, I think we give a lot to new businesses when we have ex you know, existing businesses in that particular market already here. And so we're basically, we're taking the new guy over someone who's been here and established instead of trying to encourage them and find ways to help them uh, revitalize their area. I believe our two biggest businesses in the city of Muncie is the hospital and Ball State University at this point in time. Probably the third is Muncie Community Schools. We have watched our children leave this community for jobs. They have been so desperate, they have traveled all around the country and even to Indianapolis trying to figure out where can they find affordable living. Affordable living is going to be one of the key issues. The other issue is generating jobs that pay livable wages. The other issue is maybe partnershiping with these companies and businesses and universities and hospitals that have the jobs so that we're not recruiting people from other states to come here and take jobs away from our own community. Um, one of the things that we need, obviously, everybody has said it, is the infrastructure. Um, you know, and also the quality of life. Um, those kind of go hand in hand. And if you're going to be doing economic development, those are two of the things that um, outside companies, if we're looking at outside companies to bring them in here, that's what they look at. The other thing that I really want to focus on um, is existing businesses. For so, for really the last eight years, they've been neglected. Um, I think we've only done a couple of things for businesses. One prime example is Delaware Machinery um, down in Walnut. Uh, they are now adding on to their building, adding employees to that. That is something that we need to continue. Um, if we're going to do these abatements, then we need to look at within, not bringing so much outside um, companies here. I think uh, Jeff and Brad were both correct in we have 5,000 people that commute to Muncie every day to work, and they go back home to communities like Avon and Shelbyville. 
issues, we have to realize that it becomes a, an opportunity for us to look at revitalizing our public schools, working on those projects that are quality of life, looking at our infrastructure, encouraging the administration to look at those projects that will get people to come back and put roots here in Muncie and spend their money here every weekend, not just Monday through Friday when they're traveling back and forth. But I, I have the privilege of being in and out of many industrial customers throughout the day, and, and the jobs are not the issue, it's the workforce. We need to train our workforce, we need people who are willing to come to work and can pass a drug screen and, and, and get through that first round. Okay, this uh, next question, another audience question. We'll go to Ms. James first, and then we'll come back We'll come back this way. So, uh, audience member asked, if elected, what are your priorities? What do you hope to accomplish in your term? My priorities would definitely be clearing up some corruption in this city. It would definitely be working on infrastructure, especially in District 4, where we know there are towels under, underneath our, our homes and our city streets that have been left there for years and unattended to. And uh, our county and city has not warned homeowners before they purchase those homes. I would definitely be interested in bringing higher wages to the city and lowering taxes for citizens because we are being taxed out at an nominal rate to the community, but also cutting back on spending at our city government. I like her idea of cutting spending. <laughs> um, but uh, I think one of my priorities would have to be, you know, being trained, you know, bringing transparency to the council. You know, one of the complaints I've dealt, I've heard through different neighborhood association meetings, is that they don't know, they don't talk, they don't even talk to their city councilor. You know, so they don't have a voice. You know, and part of one of the promises I made at the neighborhood one of the neighborhood association meetings was that I would keep attending those meetings, which is one thing that I have continued to do. Um, since our candidate form, it was April one with the old West End. Um, so you know, giving giving people giving people of district three a voice is going to be one of my biggest priorities. Um, my priorities, well, one of them will be definitely public uh, safety. Um, do whatever we can to try to get more police officers so that our police officers can be proactive, not reactive. Also, would like to see some infrastructure of the roads taken care of, and then obviously I made the point earlier of, of our schools. But I'd also like to see a city council and city government that works for all of us, not just a select few. I would like for our city government to be open and honest, and I would also like for the city government to uh, make sure that we live within our means. I think my, my first priority, and I hope it's everyone up here's first priority, and that's to begin rebuilding the trust between city government and its constituents. Uh, <laughs> no applause. Uh, we do that through transparency. You know, I attended just a few short weeks ago the, uh, the Transparency in Government Summit that the Schaefer Leadership Academy with help from the Bowen Center for Public Affairs put on. And there was a lot of citizens there offering great suggestions on how they would like to see their city government to be more transparent. And we need, we need more ethical leadership in government. And we need to have more citizen engagement. We need to be accessible as council people. 
Uh, as, as representative of the 2nd District, I want to go into those neighborhoods first and foremost and be accessible to those voters as I have been since January, uh, attending those neighborhood association meetings, learning what issues they face, and uh, helping them to solve the issues that they face in their neighborhoods right in the 2nd District. Likewise, I think the first priority has to be to restore trust with open meetings and open documents in City Council. I'm hoping that by doing that in January, we can begin having more civil discourse in our City Council meetings. Second, I want to focus on fundamentals to borrow a line from Hoosiers. That means focusing on infrastructure and assisting schools where we can and reducing the luxuries that we have in city government. One of the first things that I think city council should look at cutting is its own health insurance, which I would define as a luxury. It's a part-time job, and uh, as a result, there should not be uh, health insurance for part-time employees. Third, I think we need to begin the long process, and it will be a long process to reduce our city government's debt and impose a high standard clear and convincing standard for new tax payments. Thank you. I hate to break in and say it again, but I tell you, Republican candidate for District 2 City Council, Brandon Murphy, is stealing the show. His comment about transparency, open door, accountable leadership, and the need for transparency within meetings and open door policies is amazing. And then his comment about the health insurance. While I absolutely appreciate where he's going there, and I think there could be different things as far as ordinances or maybe pledging to not take it, I do think that it's a state statute that they are offered the insurance. But I think that there are ways that they can deal with that to where it's not an issue. But I'm telling you, he is really, really catching my attention and he's somebody that needs to be looked at as an up-and-comer in Muncie politics. Corruption, corruption, and corruption. If we don't get a hold of this corruption, and we need your help to do that, you have to learn as much as you can about the candidates that are sitting on this stage. Both Democrat and Republican. And then you choose those that you believe will help rebuild the trust. Until we can do uh, rebuild that trust, we're going to have a difficult time at doing anything at rebuilding this city. So really, it starts with you. And I'm with you too. I'm a voter too. I'm learning as much as possible about these candidates. And I'll choose who I think is the best candidate to rebuild the trust, to rebuild the city. I think one of the priorities has to be to build a good working relationship with the incoming administration. And so that would be one of the priorities, um, reaching out to the new administration and making sure that partnership is there in place. And then working with that administration to make our community, again, as, as attractive as possible. We mentioned quality of life, quality of place, so that we can attract new businesses and grow our tax base. I think that one of the other priorities, as everyone has said, is to be accountable and be transparent and be 
um, honest and have our and maintain our integrity. And so, one of the priorities will be to continue to ask questions and to answer the questions that are asked of you. And with the answering of those questions, you build accountability. And with that accountability, becomes that important trust that we need to maintain and rebuild within our community. What did she just say? Answer questions and be accountable to the public? I mean, I know she didn't say be necessarily accountable to the public, but she said they needed to answer questions and build that trust back up. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. She doesn't do any of that. She doesn't do any of it now while she sits as a current city councilor. She's not doing it as she is a current city councilor who's running as a candidate for re-election. She sure as hell won't do it if she's re-elected. Let's seriously elect her back to the private sector, back to her occupational therapy job. Please vote for the three Republican candidates, Aaron Clark, Troy Ingram, or Richard Ivey, or the one Democrat candidate, Watasha Griffin, do not vote for Nora Powell or Linda Gregory. All right, back to the candidates. One of the first things I will do, which I do, uh, my constituents here, is work with the administration on issues from the neighborhoods. I mean, the, the mayor will come in, the new administration will come in, they're going to have a vision when they hit the ground. But I'm going to be the voice for those neighborhoods that I've been walking for months and been meeting and bring their voice to say what mean, what's important to them as far as what they can see through their window. The next thing is I'm going to research our vulnerabilities for some of the bad decisions that have been made over the last couple of months and years. We may be very vulnerable, we may be going in a good direction with a lot of positive actions, but there may be something from the, from the past that sneaks up and bites us. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, public safety, I think we need to get them fully staffed. They have been in disagreement with the administration on that, and I think we need to get that behind us and move forward. And then build trust in our community. Continue to talk to the community, community communicate. So I think one of the first things that I would like to uh, start working on is um, coming up with a plan to reduce the rather large deficit that our city is in. I think that's a very important topic. Um, and one of the things I'm kind of surprised that nobody else has mentioned, I really want to work to repairing the relationship between our county government and our city government. I think it's very important to repair that because we can achieve so much working together, so much more than we can being separate. So I think that's a, a good thing there. Obviously, we need to repair uh, the relationship with the people. Um, they need to be able to trust us, and I think that's one of the uh, important things as well. And um, bringing transparency. To our government. I think it's very important that you people know everything that we know so that we can listen to you and get your ideas and hear your voice so that we can put that through to, uh, to make it work. Thank you. And a couple of things that I would like to try if I'm there again January 1st. And a kind of insider things in that it's the way council works. I would like to see us utilize our standing committees. We don't really today with the exception of the finance committee and it tends to only meet during the budget season which is like June through October. So I would like to, one of the things I floated is that 
any ordinance or resolution first has to go be assigned to a committee or filed with a committee and then come to the whole council. Another thing I'd like to do, we make quite a number of appointments to boards and commissions, and those just happen. They're brought to us, and I don't know. I'm on the council. I don't know how those people are chosen. I would like for that to be an open process as well. I think my first priority would be to become a public servant. And we've forgotten that at a certain level. Reestablishing the relationship between government and citizen. Demystifying, you know, the process of what it takes to come in and, and be part of a, an open council meeting. It can be daunting as a, as, a, as a citizen. I think that we have to create an open and welcoming environment for, for our people. I want to reel in TIF districts. I think we need to pay down the ones that we can pay down and, and reduce those. I, I feel like we have to really set a standard for any new um, tax abatements. Um, of course, maybe do it in, in maybe like a wage standard. If, if a company's going to come in here and offer $10 and $12 an hour jobs, we, we do not need to give them money. We need to set a standard of $18, $20 an hour or, or they should not even call us. Well, four things that I want to see, uh, what I plan on continuing to do, um, is one is to repair the infrastructure. Um, I, you know, one of the last questions was that same thing, but it allows us to create job opportunities here in the city of Muncie. Um, I believe we we still haven't gotten a paving plan for this year. Um, I believe they did do some bidding on it. Um, I looked today, District 4, which is the largest district by quite a bit of area and road mileage, 1.32 miles of pavement is all that's going to be done. Um, and, and a lot, one of that, and like more than half of it, is Claire Lane in front of uh, those and those businesses. Um, also, to restore the trust in government, I think for so long here um, recently that we have not had that. And that's one of the things that we need to work with the new administration and restore our trust. Thank you. We have time for one more question before closing uh, before closing statements. Uh, Mr. Ingram will take this question first, and then we'll go that way. Uh, well, the audience uh, members asked about communication and wants to know you know, how you how you can be a voice for and look out for all of Muncie's citizens. That's a good question. Um, so I, I do believe it's very important that that we communicate with with our constituents, um, the community. Um, one of my plans that I, I plan to do, if elected, is I'm going to host a Facebook Live forum monthly. Before the city council meetings, we're going to go over past minutes from the meeting beforehand, and we will go over uh, the agenda for the meeting coming up. Um, I'm going to have it later in the evening, around 7 or so, so that people are home from work, they've had their dinner, um, they have time to, to log on and, and voice their opinions on the agenda that's coming up for the, for the meeting, so that I can take everybody's ideas into consideration in order to pass those through. So I think that's one of the ways that I plan on communicating um, with all of you, if elected. Um, I have some other ideas too, but I'm 
down on time. So thank you. <laughs> Yes, um, accessibility is very important to me. Communication is the foundation for transparency. Um, I believe in being accessible. My number is published because I'm a bail bondsman. You can get over me 24 hours, seven days a week. <laughs> but uh, I will be having a, uh, a page where we direct people to where they can get information. If that seems to uh, have a lot of hits, that I may make myself available, and will be willing to make myself available to have uh, sit-down sessions for understanding of what the agendas are, what the resolutions are going on in order to start being considered, and then get a feel from you as a group that will even participate on where you think the, the fiscal body should be going and what direction it should be voting on it. I think one of the ways that we can keep this line of dialogue open is by doing things like this, coming to meetings and being available to our constituents. Um, coming early, I come early to the city council meetings, I stay late. I am not afraid to have conversations in the middle of the grocery store about things that happen within our community. Um, I have a Facebook page, I am available on social media answered and followed up with questions there. I think it's very important that if we say we're going to do something, we follow up and follow through and, and check back. I think that one of the important things that we remember as elected officials is that when we make promises like I have, that I will make sure your voices are heard, that that means even when your voices are angry and directed at me. And so I will stay at meetings and listen to what you have to say, and I will stay um, tonight and listen, but I think that by always maintaining that open dialogue. In the Air Force, we had what we call an open door policy. That means you come come in and, and talk about any issue and um, that my troops would come in, and we couldn't hold that against them. It was an open-door policy, and uh, all communications was, was open and free. I will have the same thing. Now, my wife, Christine, may say, not at my house. <laughs> but we, our house is always open. I have a Facebook page. You can contact me there. Contact me through email. My personal cell phone number is 765 744 3009. Contact me there. Um, I think an example of not being open is my opponent not being here tonight. I intend to do many of the things that the others have mentioned. Uh, always be available by email, always be available by social media. I intend to make documents available to the public uh, through those means as well. Uh, in addition, I think we need to be willing, more willing to listen to the public in our public meetings uh, and not impose the strict time limits that have been imposed and, and on very narrow topics. So I think we need to be more willing to listen to the public in our public meetings. Here, here, again, Brandon Murphy, Republican candidate, District 2. Way to go, Captain. And I'd like to point out I have a Bachelor of Arts in Communications, so I understand how important communication is. 
And uh, you know, I think communication starts at the neighborhood association level. Uh, you know, the question was about all of Muncie, but in my case, in running for district two, my number one priority are my constituents in the district. I recognize some faces I hear. I see Gunther sitting front row. I've gotten to know Gunther over the course of the last nine months attending neighborhood association meetings in Riverside, Normal City. I've also attended uh, neighborhood associations throughout uh, the district since January, getting to know those individuals and what my plan is, if elected, is to continue going to every one of those neighborhood association meetings and uh, working with those neighborhoods on finding solutions to the issues that they face. I'll also have a, a voluntary email database that I'll put together uh, at my own expense that anyone who wishes to communicate back and forth about issues taking place in the district or in the city overall uh, will be more than welcome to enroll in that and I'll communicate in that way. <coughs> Well, obviously, as a uh, teacher, 34 years, communication has never been a problem. If you uh, are a teacher or know anything about that, you know that there are constantly emails that are coming to you from parents, some concerned over things, some with other positive things. Uh, make sure that I will continue to go to the three or four neighborhood association meetings in my district that I attend. I have social media that you will be able to get a hold of me on. Um, I live in one district, I have family in another district, and I work in another district, so I have three opportunities there to deal with people from all, all the way around because being in, a, in the community and being around different places because of my uh, job as a teacher will provide me an opportunity to get to talk to people at any time. So I have, you know, my social media page, my Facebook page, and then I would also use the district email uh, to communicate. I would also, you know, deal with the neighborhood associations. There are at least two active in my district that I would be happy. I would have to give my phone number to. I've given my personal, I've given my personal phone number and my home address to those uh, neighborhood associations. Um, and you know, maintain open lines of communication with them, and then also host monthly meetings. You know, whether it was something informal where we can sit and go over everything that happened at the previous month's meeting and then look at what's coming up. I think there should be a media forum with access to all information to the public. I believe every meeting should be access to all public people. You should walk up and ask any question you want. I don't have a problem with questions. I have a problem when you are silenced from asking questions. On Facebook, there's a phone number where you can contact me, there's an email address, and there's a mailing address. It's available to anyone in the city that wants to contact me. It's a public page. It's open to the public. It will remain open to the public. I also serve the city of Muncie throughout the entire city. When I volunteer, it's not for one district, it's for the entire city. There is no exception. I work on Muncie Time Bank. I give my time and service through Muncie Time Bank. I also give my time and service through other organizations that I volunteer through. So I'm probably one of the most easiest person to reach possible. Well, I am elected as a district for city council. Um, but everything I do, I realize impacts the entire city of Muncie. Um, one of the things that I do is I attend as many as neighborhood association meetings as I can in my district. Um, I'm currently the vice president of my own neighborhood, Fulton Village uh, Neighborhood Association. 
um, and have been for the last two years and have been active as long as that neighborhood association has been active. One of the things that I want to do is to help with and, and work with MAP, the Muncie Action Plan, and get more neighborhoods established in my district. Um, there's a couple that have were established, now they're not anymore. Um, but I'm also accessible by email, Facebook. Uh, my cell phone is on the city website. Um, I'm here to listen to my constituents and the city wants the constituents. Past uh, 10 months of going to community events, neighborhood meetings, I, 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 I meet so many people that feel like they're disconnected and left behind. I think that communication is key at grassroots level. You have to meet people where they're at. You have to be there with them. You have to listen to them, talk to them. Listening is a very important part of public service. And then conveying that message back to the rest of the council is another important part. I think that you have to be accessible through all forms, social media, email, email, phone calls. That is just part of the job of being a council. Um, I also feel that you have to honor your word. If you tell the people that you represent you're going to do something, do it and follow through. I'll continue to do one of the things that I've done for the last 140 months, and that is have a weekly meeting, or a monthly meeting, rather, on the Saturday morning before a Monday night council meeting. I have a breakfast with Gregory event at Max in South Madison. I live on the north side. I've lived on the north side since I returned to Muncie. And I chose Max because I figured there'd be north side people who would want to come to this meeting, and I wanted them to go to the south side. That's where I grew up. We meet once a month and go over the agenda. I talk about what I know about the issues as they are pieces of uh, ordinances and resolutions that are on our agenda. I solicit the opinions of the people who are there and then we just, when we're done with that, we do just like we do at our regular council meetings. We open it up for comments and concerns. Okay, thank you. To wrap up this portion of our program, each candidate uh, will get to make a 60 second closing statement. Mr. Spicer will go first and then we'll come back to speak. I just want to say I do appreciate everybody you know, taking the time to come out this evening. Um, you know, with me, one thing that you'll get 100% of the time is unapologetic honesty. Uh, I'm not the best public speaker in the world, so I apologize for that. But I will be straightforward and completely honest and open. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for coming out tonight and putting this event on. Thank you to the candidates for having the willingness to come up here and speak. The thing that I would like to say in closing is not going to necessarily be about me. It's going to be about you as the voters. You need to stay involved. You need to be informed. And you need to make your decisions based on what is best for you and the things that you feel are necessary to keep this city going. Don't think that November is the end of your involvement. It's just the beginning. So once again, thank, thank you and thanks everybody for being here. Thank you all again for being here this evening. You know, since January 19th, 2019, when I announced my candidacy, I've rolled my sleeves up and gone to work for the people of the 2nd District. 
It's not about what I will do when I'm elected. It's what I am doing right now. I've been working with neighborhood associations throughout the district to tackle problems that they face. Neighborhoods like Riverside Normal City, Anthony Northside Neighborhood Association, Johnson Circle, Sunset Knoll, Pettigrew Acres, all of the neighborhoods throughout the district. I want to not only represent you, I want to work for you. If you want to see where I stand on issues, I encourage you to go to my Facebook page, Jeff Robinson from Muncie City Council, District 2. I've laid out on there where I stand on many of the issues that we face as a community. If there is an issue that you have in mind that is not found on my Facebook page, by all means send me a message and I will post one as quickly as possible. My name is Jeff Robinson and I ask for your vote. That was a really good answer from Democrat candidate for District 2 City Council, Jeff Robinson. If elected to City Council, I'd lay down my priorities. First, to restore trust with our local government with open meetings and open documents. Second, to focus on the fundamentals. Uh, fundamentals being infrastructure and helping schools to those two luxuries. Third, to begin the long process of paying down our city's debt. Fourth, to have a high standard when it comes to new tax payments, a clear and convincing, a clear and convincing standard in the best interests of our community. Fourth, I'm sorry, fifth, to hold our elected officials accountable, to hold our city departments accountable. If elected, I intend to do all of those things. I would ask for your support and your vote. Let me just ask real quick, are there anyone here, or is anyone here from District 1, Southeast Side of Muncie? Thank you. And thank all of you for coming out tonight. Thank you for participating in this process. Thank you to the host. We appreciate it. We're at a serious, serious crossroad for the future of our city. This election will determine whether we survive or whether we thrive. The folks on this stage have got ideas for us to thrive. So I ask you to uh, take a look at each individual. I ask for you to take a look at me, take a look at my credentials versus my opponent's credentials if he ever posts them or publicizes them. And choose who you think will best represent you and carry this city forward. <laughs> I want to thank everyone involved for putting on this forum, and I want to thank all of you for coming out tonight. I think it's very, very important that this is just the beginning of the discussion and that you continue to learn everything about the candidates who are asking for your consideration. Um, there are two or three other forums that I can think of off the top of my head coming up in the next 40 days. Like Mr. Robinson said, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. I can show you what I've done and what I'm continuing to do. I can show you that I'm tenacious, that I ask questions. I can show you that I'm not afraid to reach out to anyone willing to work to move our community forward. I can show you that I am not afraid to take a stand, even when it means standing alone. I can show you that I care so much about this community and that I would love to have your consideration for re-election to City Council at large. Thank you. First, I'd like to thank the Bowling Center for you for coming out. Second, you're looking at the next council, however that made up. My skill sets come 
in organizational leadership, and I think I'll be bringing those skill sets to whomever my six or eight, uh, it's eight of us, or nine of us, so, uh, council persons will be, third um, or fourth, I think we need to counsel and make decisions that result in positive outcomes for our city. And I think um, putting together the right team is going to make that happen. Um, if you want someone with honesty, integrity, believes in transparency, and will earn your trust, then I say vote for Richard Ivey. Because vote for Richard Ivey is a vote for the people. So first off, I want to thank the Bone Center and the other groups for putting on this forum. Uh, I also want to thank you all for coming out. Um, I think it's very important that we are all involved um, in this election. I think we are at a turning point. Um, I also want to apologize. I don't have the best speaking skills. I'm not a politician. I'm not. Uh, one of the questions I get asked the most is why I decided to run the city council. And to be perfectly honest, it's because I'm pissed. Pissed at the direction our city has been in. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned because my kids and my grandkids are growing up in this community. And I am, I, we have to make a decision this election cycle. You, you have to understand how important it is. So take a look. If you're happy at where your community is, then you know where your vote should be. If you're not, then we have to make a decision. Thank you. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, from Republican at-large candidate Troy Ingram is probably my most favorite answer or response of the evening and is probably the most honest answer. He's a person. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a worker in the community, in the city of Muncie. He loves the city of Muncie. He has friends and family that live in and around Muncie, and he's not a candidate. He's not polished. He does pretty damn good, but he's not tenacious, canned bullshit candidate like Nora Powell. He is a real deal, honest, hardworking man, father, husband, friend that wants to do right by his community, working because he is pissed off at what's currently going on within city government. And folks, that's what it all boils down to. They didn't throw the tea in the Boston Harbor because they were tenacious. They threw it in the harbor because they were pissed off. Way to go, Troy Ingram, Republican candidate for Muncie City Council at large, running in conjunction with Aaron Clark and Richard Ivey. I too thank all of our sponsors for this evening. These events are not easy for them or for us or probably not for you either. Thank you for coming and listening. I've appreciated being a council person at large, and with your support, I can continue because there's still a lot of work to be done. We've all touched on what our needs are, what our priorities are, and we can be better, and we will be.
Thank you for uh, coming out tonight. Thank you, Bowen Center, for hosting and watching at home. I would like to say I run as a Republican right now, but on January 1st, if I'm elected, I will be a representative and a servant for every neighborhood and every community. Um, I, I encourage you to spend time and educate yourself on all of these candidates. Um, do your research. Call your friends and family. Encourage them to get registered to vote. Encourage them to be involved in this process. And this important. On November 5th, when we change the direction of our city. Um, my campaign slogan has been our city, our future, and that's what it is. We're at this pivotal moment, so let's join together and, and get this shit right. Thank you. I do want to thank everybody for attending tonight. Uh, thank you to the Bowen Center and the sponsors. Um, it's a great opportunity to come in front of our constituents to express what we want to do and how we want to earn your vote. Um, I've had the honor of representing District 4 um, and will continue to work for all of my constituents as well as all of Muncie. Um, and remember that I work for you. Um, I think too many people forget that when they after they get elected. But I answer to the constituents of my district that vote me for me. Um, if I have not visited you yet this fall, um, I will be. I am going door to door. Uh, in the spring, I touched over 1,200 doors, talked to that many or more people uh, in my district, and plan on doing quite a bit more this uh, time. And I would love to earn your vote on November 5th. Thank you. I'd like to say thank you to the Boeing Center and all our sponsors and everyone here in the audience. I know your time is valuable. So I think honesty, integrity, and truth starts right here tonight. Unfortunately for Brad Polk, I have never met him before until about a week or two ago at our first event. 15 years in your community and you never knocked on my door. You were just on my block Saturday and you still didn't knock on my door. But I guarantee you, I will knock on all of District 4 door before it's over with. I'm Green Party, so I didn't get an early start. My start started late behind them. So all my door knocking and everything, I guess, later than theirs. So I did knock on over a thousand doors already, and I will continue to knock on doors. And I am going to make myself available for District 4. I heard what you had to say. I heard your cries about Halterman Village Pool. I lived in Halterman Village for six years, so I understand how big that area is to you. And I'm sorry that you lost it. I, thank you. Thank you to all the candidates. Let's give another round of applause. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap up our city council candidate portion of tonight's forum. After this quick break, we'll be back with the Muncie mayoral candidates to finish off this 2019 candidate forum for the Muncie municipal election. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bill. Perception is reality.
Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me for the second half of the 42nd episode of my podcast, Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury. We are recording live this evening from Muncie Central High School Auditorium, where in the first half of the program, you heard answers from the candidates running for Muncie City Council. During this second portion of tonight's forum, we'll be hearing from the three candidates running for Mayor of Muncie, Republican candidate Dan Reidenauer, Democrat candidate Dr. Terry Witt-Bailey, and Libertarian candidate Steve Smith. Tonight's forum was made possible by Ball State University in conjunction with the Bowen Center for Public Affairs and the Muncie Community School Corporation. This forum was sponsored by Citizens of Delaware County for Good Government, Mid-Eastern Indiana Association of Realtors, and Farm Bureau of Delaware County, Indiana. It looks as though the candidates are just now taking their seats on the stage so without further ado, we will turn you back over to this evening's moderator and the three mayoral candidates running in the 2019 City of Muncie municipal election. I want to take this time to introduce the three mayoral candidates. Republican candidate Dan Reidenauer, Democrat candidate Dr. Terry Witt-Bailey, and Libertarian candidate Stephen Smith. Each candidate will make an opening statement of no more than two minutes. Ms. Bailey will go first. Thank you, and thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to share with all of you. Uh, before I start, I do want to send well wishes and prayers to Councilperson Doug Marshall, who is the president, current president of the council, who had emergency surgery last night and he is still in the hospital. So we want to send well wishes to him. In 1997, when I came back to Muncie, I was here because I knew that this was the right place to be. We have, in the last 20-something years, felt welcomed. We feel like this is a special place with special people and special opportunities. I've been given lots of opportunities to serve in, in a leadership role, lots of opportunities to interact with many of you in this room this evening and those who are watching on social media. I believe that I am in a position to be your next mayor for such a time as this. The uncertainty that's been happening in our leadership and in city government for the last 10 to 20 years has helped me to realize that I've been developing myself as a leader to help our community, all of our community, not just the people that live in my neighborhood, but the people that live in each and every section of the city of Muncie. So I ask that you consider as we give our answers this evening and open your heart to understanding some of the things that I want to share with you. It's an exciting time for Muncie. We are in the midst of momentum that will change the trajectory of what we're going to be doing here. So I'm excited. I'm here to answer all of your questions this evening. And thank you again for this opportunity. Mr. Ryan. 
Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be here this evening. Uh, we want to thank all those that put this together. There were a number of groups involved, and thank you very much for that. Appreciate all of you being here this evening. Uh, your time is valuable, and uh, you know, actually, the people in this room are probably some of the real leaders. And uh, we appreciate you being here because you're clearly involved and interested in what's going on with Muncie. And that's a wonderful thing. So thank you so much for being here. Just a little bit about me. Uh, first of all, I am a Christian. I'm a family man. I have, uh, we have four children, uh, three grandchildren. Um, I don't have any grandchildren in the room this evening, um, but we, we, uh, we love our family, we love our city, and we love making a difference. And uh, my background is something that I think is going to be very, very important uh, in helping turn around the city. First of all, I have 34 years in the finance industry. I'm currently an assistant vice president and regional manager with Mutual Bank. Uh, I'm over 13 branches um, in five counties, uh, well over 100 employees in those branches. Um, and that central region that I manage is one that takes a lot of time and effort and uh, an ability to work with many people uh, and help drive them toward uh, goals and help them achieve and move forward. And I've certainly had quite a bit of success at Mutual Bank and in other endeavors in the banking industry in the past and uh, look forward to using some of that financial knowledge to help with what we're doing here in Lansing. Um, I also do serve on the City Council in District 2. I uh, have been on the Council in this is my fourth year of my first term. So thank you so much for being here. Mr. Smith. Uh, first of all, thank you to the Born uh, people and uh, those that are sponsors here for allowing us to be able to speak to you. A little about myself. Um, I was born raised here in Montevideo, went to Longfellow, uh, went to Northside during that transition. And then finished here at Muncie Central, um, where I was all American. Uh, got a scholarship to go to Ball State University, uh, where I played. We went to the NCAA tournament. Um, that way, you can kind of know who I am. I was a candy man here um, at that time, where I made about a half a million dollars um, the time that I was here. Broke about every record there is in the school of selling things. Uh, moved on to work in the community, dealing with youth. Um, I was fortunate to be a principal also in the school where I dealt with the, the students that no one wanted to deal with in this community, about 117 of them. Um, I was also um, administrator when they were first coming to us about being a charter uh, um, the school like they're doing now with all our schools. They wanted us to be that model uh, for the country. Um, but at that time, I took a job with uh, Progress Rail to deal with prototype trains. Um, I worked for Muncie Power for 10 years in leadership. Um, those were the Schaefer's. Um, I was on that team as a leader and um, supervisor with them. Um, I've been in the community all my life. Um, I have eight children. Um, one's going to be a doctor at IU, one's here at Ball State right now, my son Steve. And then I have uh, other ones that are at uh, St. Francis where I went to school. Um, so I have four in college and then four that's at home. Um, my wife, I, I don't talk about her much, she's um, at Ross Medical Center where she creates jobs for people in the community also. And I share all that to say is I've been rooted here in Muncie all my life, um, and I believe it's time for a new change, a new direction, not based on um, what has happened in the past four or eight years. Um, they've had plenty of time to fix it and happen, so it's time for a new change. So that's uh, why I'm here to help us move that direction. 
If elected, what are your top priorities for the city right now, and what steps will you take to address them? Thank you for that question, whoever asked that. My number one top priority is to bring back an honest and open government, one that tells people what they're doing um, and is totally transparent. I'm going to do that in a number of ways. Number one, in January, you will be able to get all documents that go to the city council, all ordinances, all resolutions, and I'll work with whoever's elected clerk to make this happen. But we'll, we'll make all those items available to the public, and they will get the information at the same time that the council members receive the information. I think this is the only way that we're going to be able to build that trust back. So that's number one. Number two, I will communicate on a, on a monthly basis. I will be going to neighborhood associations to communicate with the public, and we'll move these around the city and make sure the public can get their questions answered and ask the questions that they want to find out. So you will, that my number one priority is communication and making sure we are transparent. I love Dan Ridenour's pledge to make sure that everybody's transparent and accountable. And the thought and the idea of all information being online and accessible to everybody the same day that it is for the council members is a wonderful thought and idea. However, that is governed by the clerk's office, and so it would really be something that the mayor would have to work with the clerk's office to do. It's not something that he could just make happen. I'm also under the impression that all of that information is pretty much already available. Any citizen who wants to get that information the same day that it's available to the council members can get that information. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Uh, the first priority would be getting our budget under control, um, understanding what we're facing. Um, that will definitely have to be the first priority because we will not be able to move forward if we don't know what circumstance we are in. And after that, we'll be building a team um, that can lead us into that direction um, because if we don't have the right people in the right places, we'll still be in the same situation we are in. And then after that, we will have to find out what the citizens' uh, input would be in forming our new community that we will be producing since we have not been at the table to be able to help shift. We kind of just got shoved whatever we got and we went with it. But now we have to bring our citizens in um, to definitely know the direction that we want to all buy into to go forward. And again here, Steve Smith's idea and thought for looking at the budget and making sure that the budget is appropriate and dissecting what's going on is a wonderful thought and a wonderful idea. By the time he's in office, the 2020 budget will already be in place, and it will be there based off the recommendation of the current finance committee which is made up of City Councilor Nora Powell as the finance chair, Brad Polk, a city councilor, and Linda Gregory, a city councilor. So if Mr. Smith or Mr. Reidenauer or Dr. Bailey want to have any say in the budget for when they come into office, they need to really be going at it hardcore with the current city council members, specifically Nora Powell, Brad Polk, and Linda Gregory, 
because they're the ones that are making the budget for whoever wins first year in office, and everybody needs to be very clear on that. Okay. We are, um, in terms of priorities for our community, uh, I agree with Mr. Rittenauer that access and accessibility to documents needs to happen and the city council needs to provide that. But I don't know why he has to wait until now or until he wants to become mayor because that's something that city council could be doing now, making paperwork and, and agendas and items available to the public. So that needs to happen now. That's something that he has the ability to do. The other uh, asset, in terms of access and accessibility, uh, it's very important for me, and those of you who know my husband know that he's in a wheelchair, and so accessibility to me is very important, making sure that he and my friend Linda, who's over here, can get to meetings and, and know how to, to maneuver through our community. Also dealing with education, from cradle to career. We have a lot of great people just in the last two days who have learned some things that we can take advantage of. Coming out of the gate, almost immediately taking shots at Dan Ridenauer, Dr. Bailey comes out telling him and the crowd that he doesn't have to wait until he's mayor to make sure that paperwork is accessible because, of course, as most of you know and those that don't, Dan Ridenauer is currently a city councilor. So he has the capability of making the paperwork accessible by putting it on his Facebook page, by allowing people access to it. Similar to how the clerk does, again, I'll say I think the clerk does a pretty good job of making that accessible. I know any time that I want the information the day that it's available to the council, I've always been able to get it that day when I wanted it. The next question will first go to Mr. Smith. If elected, what three steps would you take to put the city on a firmer financial footing? Um, I have been researching. Uh, the first thing is that we're going to definitely have to put in um, some guidelines on how departments create their budget instead of pulling numbers out of different places and make sure that the money is tied up in each department. Um, I believe we need to make sure that um, we don't duplicate services, which I saw a lot in the, the budgets, and also that we don't shift money within the departments um, to be able to spend without coming before the council. As I was speaking for the council member, um, they said, well, that'll tie your hands up, but I'd rather have my, my hands tied and be transparent with the community instead of shifting things within the budget um, to do things that you shouldn't do um, without people prying their eyes on it. Um, also, um, I would make sure that we are very, very, um, put a system in to track everything that we're doing, um, which is not hard to do, it's self-management, um, that people can look at a spreadsheet and see where everything's at instead of just... Yes, I, I actually do agree with Mr. Smith about duplication of services. I think that as we would continue to work together, we can figure out what types of things we can share within city government, as well as share outside of city government with uh, agencies like Ball State University or the hospital uh, services that we could, could share. The other thing that I would mention is zero-based budgeting. And we can't do that this year because we started a new process. But really starting from scratch and really looking at the things that, that need to happen within each department 
in, in order to create a budget that's more realistic. And finally, uh, working with the Finance Committee. I have to say that I actually enjoyed being at the Finance Committee meeting. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that it sounded like, someone said it sounded like, it was like being in a room watching paint dry. But for me, it was like seeing a painting being developed and knowing what we have to work with with our upcoming administration. So I would work directly with the Finance Committee. For me, I think the, the three things that I would do when it comes to the budget, number one, I'm going to replace uh, the team. Uh, I think we've got to go a new direction, and I, so I think new people at the heads of each of these departments will be a very important key. Obviously, as mayor, any of these candidates will be able to appoint new department heads. Police chief, fire chief, there are in total about 12 or 13 different departments that they are able to put the department head in charge of. And this is something that I specifically have been looking at. I will make it very, very clear right here and right now. Any one of these candidates that would be looking to put... Amy Kessler, Justin Peters, or Nathan Sloan in charge of the Muncie City Police Department as a police chief or deputy chief is a candidate that would immediately be at odds with myself. And moreover, I and this show, Perception is Reality, would be at odds with that candidate because... These three individuals have shown themselves not capable. So this is something that I will definitely be following because this is something of major concern to me and several others. Let's get back to the rest of Dan's answer. Secondly, and I've had this on my, uh, on my part of my campaign from the very beginning in August of 18, is I'm going to have each of those department heads attend council meetings twice a year so that they can review those budgets with the council. It's very important that we set budgets and stick to budgets and create realistic budgets. And uh, that has not necessarily been the case. Um, and, and thirdly, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this in in 15 seconds, but I, I did vote against the last budget because there were several things that I disagreed with. Um, and, um, and I think that, that not going to have time to get into that, so uh, we'll get to it later. Thank you. This question will go first to Ms. Bailey. What would you propose to improve quality of life and uh, improve the amenities in Muncie? Oh, wow, and I only have two minutes, huh? You know, it's exciting what's actually already happening in Muncie, and we don't want to discredit the things that are already going on. The thing that I noticed as I was even driving here is the box box uh, program that's happening for the Muncie Arts and Culture Council, the electrical boxes that are at the, the corners that people are painting. So that's just one thing dealing with quality of life. The other part is working with our parks and recreation and, and developing programming within the parks, but also making the parks a place where people feel comfortable, confident, and safe. The third thing is making sure that all people want to live here. So making all people feel special 
making all people feel like they are just as important and just as relevant to the things that go on within our community. All of our neighborhoods uh, need to be recognized. Signage needs to be put up. You know, I believe that Mr. Bidnire and I both have stone signage in, in our neighborhoods, but we want to make sure that everybody has signage to, to, to represent who they are and where they belong. Um, I'm going to, I will focus on two areas in order to to help with um, the livability, we'll call it. Uh, number one would be streets, and we'll develop a plan that we, a long-term plan, and future mayors can take advantage of it or not. I apologize here. We had a battery switch over at this point, and I just want to say that he brought up a long-term plan for paving of streets. Uh, but the second thing is I've gone and I've looked at the park funding in other cities, cities like Bloomington, Lafayette, Kokomo, uh, uh, Lawrence, uh, Columbus. They fund much more for the parks. So I would like to shift some of that funding toward parks and give the employees who are trying to do a good job, give them the resources they need uh, to improve the parks and make sure that they're all top-notch and that they help bring people to our community. Um, the quality of life here actually is not bad, and I've lived here in my life. I believe we have to have a vision in where our city is going in order people to want to stay, because right now we have a lot of people leaving. That's why I'm going to start with the vision, which I've put on my page, with some of the things I would like to do, but I would have to have the buy-in. But the biggest thing is I would come to the south side of town and start working this way. I would go to the east, the north, and then come up with um, the plan to... Um, embedded those people by the things that they like doing. Um, because if there's nothing to do in Muncie, people go outside of Muncie uh, to do things. So the quality of life is basically bringing things that people like to do. Um, that's going to start with the citizens. Thank you. Next question will first go to Mr. Reidenauer. So if elected, how will you determine who you appoint uh, for the positions that you have appointments? Well, for, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll address it primarily, and thank you for the question, whoever asked that. Uh, I'm going to address it more toward the boards. One of the nice things that I think happened uh, with the Wales facility uh, that went bad was that it got people engaged again. And I've already talked with a number of people who have not previously been interested, and I've talked to them about... Um, I asked, you know, what primary did you vote in? Because many of the, the positions, you have to pick a Democrat and a Republican, and it's all based on what primary they voted in. So I'm looking for fresh eyes, new people, new thoughts, new ideas, so that we can go a different direction. So I'm looking forward to appointing people to these positions that can look at things a different way that can look at things that will maybe help Muncie move forward in a, in a more positive way. So I'm looking forward to some of those appointments and getting some fresh people involved. And again here, I think this is something that a lot of folks in Muncie are looking for, is a candidate that's willing to appoint new people, new department heads, somebody that's willing to do what they need to do to bring in fresh ideas, fresh people, fresh eyes, to places in city government. Now, I do want to caution him or Terry or Steve Smith or, or anybody in this position. You do have to have a team around you that knows what they're doing. You have to have people that 
know on day one, you know, how to get the ball rolling. And it can't be necessarily a learning process that takes six months or we would be in a world of hurt. And the only other thing I want to say is in Muncie's case, when looking at the quote-unquote activism and people getting involved now after the steel dust plant fiasco. Ah, I kind of don't know what I think about that because, yes, there are people involved and active online, but we've almost immediately went back to less people being concerned when we have meetings, people aren't going to the meetings, people aren't attending the uh, special meetings that we're having. People are not attending what's important to be attended. And that is concerning because what we have now is five, six, eight, ten different groups online that are posting when meetings are. But then again, none of these people are going to the meetings. So it's great to have social media. It's great to have all these people keeping people abreast of when information and when meetings are held. But what we need are citizens actually attending the meetings and actually being involved. Less social justice keyboard warrior and more community watchdog with butts in the seats. All right, back to the questions. I'm really excited because we're going to have a fresh start. Um, I don't have any ties uh, to anyone to tell me how to do it. Um, I basically can go in with fresh eyes and say, we're going to pick the best person for the job, um, get the job done, and not have somebody over me tell me what I have to do. Um, I can pretty much start fresh and move forward um, without anyone controlling that process. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else has to has that leadway, but that's one thing that I do bring to the table, is the, the ability to start fresh. Um, it's only one uh, person that I've talked to, and it was a board. So all my other um, heads are pretty wide open. Um, best person for the job. And uh, this person that I talked to was already on that board at one point in time. Um, so besides that, I'm wide open as far as moving forward to uh, replace or retain his that are already in place. I, too, am excited about what the future will hold for our city. I have not made any promises to anyone because I have to get elected first. And so that's the most important thing right now is to get me elected, and then I can make those kinds of decisions. I have heard from lots of people who have not been given opportunities to serve in a leadership role in a on a board or a commission. Uh, Teamwork for Quality Living did a study years ago where they found that there were groups of individuals that really wanted to participate. And so we need to get those people involved. We want to reach out and ask those people, uh, go to the neighborhoods, see the neighborhood leadership see what's happening in the neighborhoods, and include those individuals. So it is a wide open field. We will make the right decisions for the right positions for this administration. Thank you. Um, next question, we'll go first to Mr. Smith. This is a question from a Ball State student. So as a current Ball State student, I'm looking for a community and career to continue my life after graduation. What can be done to attract and keep students graduating from college and live in Muncie as well as providing, as well as providing careers for prospective graduates. 
Um, as being a student also at Ball State, that question's already been asked in class. And the biggest thing is, currently we have nothing to keep them here besides the church or um, just something that they may have gone to internship. Um, so we have to create that atmosphere, and that's going to take on with partnership with Ball State. And since they are over our schools, um, it's going to be a lot of teachers that will be able to go into the field. But it's going to be have to create the atmosphere we don't have at current. We do not have it. That's why a lot of people have left because there's nothing here to people. They have to go outside of Muncie to get jobs. They have to go um, other other places because we don't have that uh, niche that people are looking for. So we're going to definitely have to re-diversify what we're trying to do. Um, we're going to have to build housing that wants, they want to stay in. We're going to have to do a lot of things to cater to all state students that can go to Indianapolis and get that, the living they want right away. We don't have the living they need, so we're going to create it. Part of it is jobs. Part of it is housing. But part of it is relationships. We shouldn't wait until the senior year of, of the student's senior year to try to encourage them to stay here in Muncie. We need to develop the relationships with the students when they come here for freshman orientation, when we walk with them through downtown to share with the families what we have to offer. And so those are the things that I've been doing for years and years and have developed relationships with Ball State students and Ivy Tech students. Over the last 20 years, I've been to some of their weddings. Some of them have decided to stay here. Some of them have gotten married to other students and they've made those decisions to stay here in Muncie. So what we need to do is to create relationships, to have communication with them, to, to let them know that we care about the fact that they're here. Right. Um, and, and thank you for the question, whoever asked that. This is, I think, very important. Uh, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is we have two $2 billion bank headquarters in our city. Inside each of those companies, and I work for one of them, there are marketing departments, there are uh, IT departments. I, I think Mutual has 11 or 12 people working IT. Uh, there are... Uh, there are servicing departments, there are maintenance departments, there are facilities, there's management, there's underwriting. There are a lot of positions that are not traditional banks. Sometimes people think when you're at a bank, it's the branch. But there's all these home office jobs. Both mutual and first merchants have those jobs. In addition to that, I know of people personally who have graduated from Ball State and are now working at Ontario, one of our good software companies, and AccuTech, we're already expanding downtown with 55 in the job. So there are some opportunities here. We need to share them with people. Okay, next question will go first to Ms. Bailey. How would you create a positive working relationship with the county? The current adversarial behavior hurts everyone in Delaware County. I would agree that it does hurt everyone in Delaware County. The simple answer is just to sit down and talk and have a better relationship. That's the simple answer. The more complex answer is to be able to share information. And I think, and this is my opinion, I think that both sides, the city and the county, have not shared information. And because we haven't shared the information, we are not able to grow together. It should not be an us versus them, or this side versus that side. 
We are better when we do things together. My nickname is the Queen of Collaboration, so I plan to use that to connect with the county. It is very important that we work together. Well, this is a, another excellent question, and it's a key to one of the challenges that we've had in Muncie, is that the arguments that the city and county have, have had um, at the top, uh, and again, I don't think that this is lower level, but I do think at the top we have had these challenges. One of the things that I know I'm going to do is I'm going to have regular quarterly meetings uh, bringing together not only the county, but other, t other towns, we need to sit down together. And I would break bread. In fact, I have already met with, with several county officials, uh, numerous city officials. I, I believe that if you sit down and people get to know you and you get to know them, you ask questions, they ask questions, you can develop those relationships and it does breed results. And I think that's what we need to do. And, and it's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> I believe it's going to start once again with the vision. Um, the question was asked from a county person, and they said, Steve, why would you want Muncie? I said, because that's my city, that's what I was raised at, that's what you need, why would I want that? And they were saying, well, it's very important that you get Muncie together because it's going to affect us. So that means we're going to have to just work together. One project that I'll throw out there that I would like to work with the county with is building our airport up. We have the best infrastructure coming to transportation from uh, the trains, from the buses. And one of the things I believe if we work together on the project, everybody wins. I believe it will be something that everybody buys into. And once we start working together and actually working together, I believe it will open up more opportunities because they're going to keep building up there regardless if we come together or not. So if we don't come together, um, we're going to be battling or for some of the services that we're already doing now. So I believe it would be a good opportunity with fresh eyes um, to bring us together if we just work on the project together and to them talk. Now I will say here, I do love the idea of the city and the county or the city and the county and the small towns working together. I like the idea of the city and the county looking out for one another. Primarily, I like the county doing what's right for the city. It goes downward, not upward. So, for example, you don't have Albany trying to do whatever they can do to please the county. You have Albany doing what they can for their citizens and you have the county doing what they can for Albany that falls within inside the county limits. So, for example, the same applies for a large city. You have Muncie, and I know that Muncie's draw on the size of Muncie helps the county, and that's just absolutely accurate. If you live inside the county, okay, say you live outside uh, DeSoto, unincorporated area, okay, you live in the county, but you are not a city resident. If you live inside the city limits of Muncie, you are a Muncie resident, and you're also a Delaware County resident. So this falls, yes, on the city and the city officials to be willing to work and collaborate and share ideas. Absolutely, I agree with that. But 
we're going to have to have officials in place on the county level that's not dirty, corrupt, and bankrupt, morally bankrupt, the same way that officials in the city are. What we're talking about right now with this corruption and this dirt and the grime in the city does not escape the officials in the county. Keep in mind, the elected officials in the county are still operating under the same political parties as the folks in the city. 214 still control the Democrats on the county level. And we have Republicans on the county level who just two elections ago were 214 Democrats. But because they had a falling out with Dennis Tyler, who's no longer a 214 Democrat, they decided to switch to be Republicans. So the county will only do better when we get rid of those that are in positions that are only focusing on their own self and their political uh, footstep and where they're looking to go. People like James King for county commissioner, who is a, a Republican who used to be a Democrat and uh, who is very much... You know, very questionable in most of his actions uh, and people in positions like that. So we're going to have to get people in the county governments that are willing to do what's right for Delaware County. And that's including Muncie. And then we're going to have to let Muncie do what's right for Muncie, which will in turn do what's right for Delaware County. But at the end of the day, Muncie has to take care of Muncie. That's common sense. All right, let's get back to the questions. Thank you. This question will go first to Mr. Wright now. Um, there's a lot of vacant and blighted housing in the city. What are your plans to get that taken care of? Well, and this is, this is a challenge that we have. Uh, many of the books that I've read talk about how it's important. The way you can build your tax base is not so much by expanding outside because then you have additional infrastructure to, to deal with that you have to take care of. But if you can work with those organizations that are building homes, that are repairing homes, if you can, if you can develop ways to make that happen, you can uh, accomplish increased values throughout the neighborhood. And those increased values, little tiny incremental values, mean increased revenues for our uh, general fund, for our schools, uh, for our libraries. And, and so what I intend to do is to work with the groups that are already involved in rehabbing the homes and try and see if we can come up with a way to put them on steroids. And I do think my bank connections will also help us try and come up with some additional funding for people who may not qualify for traditional dollars. Mr. Smith. I believe we don't need to tear down another house. Um, we have poor citizens in this city that will not be able to start over from fresh. So every house that is torn down, that means somebody doesn't have a home. That means someone is displaced. So every house that is torn down, that means a person that got some money or ability to go to a bank uh, has to start all over. So I believe when we see houses, we have to get programs in place that help people to rebuild their houses and not lose their houses. I was fortunate to have my mom almost lose her house when we stepped in, 
um, it was going to be taken away because there wasn't enough standard. But only thing it took was somebody said, hey, we're going to help you get your house back up to par so you can live instead of trying to build up at 60 years a new house. So I don't think we need to tear down any more houses. I believe we need to get um, our, our neighborhood associations to maybe tag those houses and find out what we can do to bring funds into the community because there's plenty of funds to uh, bring into the community to remodel houses and rebuild houses. At one point in time, the houses that we're speaking of were someone's home, and they were probably very proud to live in it, and it was a nice place for them. And due to whatever circumstances, there are lots of different circumstances, some houses became uninhabitable. There are some houses that can be saved, but there are some houses that may not be able to be saved. That is why the federal government has given dollars to offices like mine, community development, uh, dollars to do what's called clearance and blight, and additional dollars to tear down or demolish or deconstruct those who've been on hard times, the houses, hardest hit fund dollars. So we've had more than $5 million in the years that I've been in office to demolish houses and to try to get people to do something with the spaces, like parks or, or other things that would be, that would enhance our neighborhoods. Okay, this question will go first to Mr. Smith. So the, the current administration has been taking steps to implement a fire-based DNS. Um, what I've read in the newspaper, I guess, primarily through the, the board of public works. Uh, they've hired an Italian chief they bought some ambulances. The, the last news I saw, they weren't sure when they were actually going to start operating. I, I think that's the latest information. Can you tell me what's going to happen with, tell us what's going to happen with fire-based EMS in your administration, if you like? Uh, it's here to say. Um, they enacted, they started the process, and unless you want to sell the ambulance, they're here to stay. Um, but I believe that we're going to need more services, even if Delaware County stays active, um, because if those haven't watched what's happening at Ball State, they're at about 22,000 people right now. I'm saying in the next four or five years, because they don't have the same emissions as they did, they'll probably be up around 40,000, and they're going to keep growing. So it's going to be enough, um, enough for everybody. I think we're fighting over something that could have been fixed. I think it's a personal uh, attack, but they did what they did. Um, but now it's here. We just we got to do what we got to do to bring money into Muncie. If we're not going to work with the county, um, but I do believe that we're definitely going to work with the county because somebody's going to service Ball State um, in the future. So I believe it's going to be here to stay. I agree with Mr. Smith. It's here to stay. They did what they did, and we've got to move forward. Uh, I had a chance to spend about an hour with. Uh, some folks that are trained EMTs and with our fire department on Saturday. And they shared a lot of information with me about how they got to this point. The most important thing that we must remember is that they're in place to save lives. And we're fighting over a truck here and a truck there. I think we need to see the big picture and that is eight vehicles are gonna be better than five. And it's already been put in place. So as, as your new mayor, we would have to figure out how to find funding to make sure that, that things stay in place, so finding additional resources. But I'm proud of the fact 
that our city government is working to keep people safe. On EMS, excuse me, clearly we have handled this the wrong way from the current administration. We went right at it, 100%, and uh, I immediately had conversations with both sides trying to figure out what, what would be a solution. What will happen if I, when I am mayor is I will sit down in January with all the interested parties and we're going to work something out. I know that the county could use some help. I know that the city wants to provide services. Uh, I know that uh, together I think we can make, we can find a solution that, that makes everybody happy. Um, and I think that's the, that's the way to go is in January, I will sit down with all the interested parties. We will come up with a solution that works for everyone. And, uh, and we'll find it. We'll find it. It's somewhere in the middle. All I'm going to say about fire-based EMS at this point is when I interview the mayoral candidates coming up in the near future and I have those interviews, my 10 questions to each mayoral candidate, and I am talking with them one-on-one, I will absolutely be digging into fire-based EMS. This question will go first to Ms. Bailey. Oh. So nationwide and in Indiana, there seems to be a pretty widespread drug abuse problem, to, to say the least, if you look at the statistics. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's in Muncie, too. Uh, what, what plans do you have to address that, that problem in our community? Yes, we have some organizations that are working very hard, two of which I'm on the board, of IU Health Memorial Hospital and Meridian Health Services. Both agencies are working hard to get residential treatment facilities in our community. Both organizations are working hard to make sure they have people in the ED or the emergency department of the hospital to care for those individuals. It's really a a difficult decision sometimes when people are trying to figure out how to deal with, with this situation, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that these are people. These are people that are hurting, people that need help, and we've got agencies that are here. We want to work hard to um, help enforce and, and assist with things at the hospital and at Meridian, and I'm sure other agencies are doing to help alleviate this problem. I think that the solution is to go to the grassroots. And I have attended uh, n- numerous meetings uh, at the Serenity Club uh, with some other organizations and I'm finding out what they need. And a couple of things that they need is non-judgment. And they, they need a place to go. And so we certainly have to find something. And, that, uh, and I think that we can, with the county, we can figure out a solution to this. Uh, we need a treatment center. Uh, and I don't think it should be, it's not Muncie's problem alone. All, all cities in our county are faced with this exact same situation, but I think it's important to hear what those dealing with it and those who have been successful fighting it have to say, and that's where I have started. I've also visited some facilities in some other towns, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to continuing to work together with multiple groups to make this happen. Mr. Smith. Um, as those know, we do definitely have a 
drug epidemic in Muncie. All you got to do is just walk around about midnight and you'll see it all. Um, I had to deal with sending my brother all the way to Florida just to get treatment away from his surroundings in order to get out of the situation. But now he's a productive citizen, uh, he works at a job, he has his own company, all those things. But we need a treatment center here for Muncie. Our people, we should not have to send people away um, in order that. So that is one of my agendas, is to have a treatment center uh, that we treat the individuals that are dealing with this and not just give them more medicine uh, and wean them off onto another drug, but actually treat them. Uh, which there are federal dollars for uh, to bring funding in for those kind of things, but we just have to ask for the funding in order to deal with it instead of arresting them, putting them back in the system. We have to actually treat the situation. So that would be one of my agendas is to bring a treatment center for those individuals that are addicted to drugs. Whatever we do here, the city of Muncie needs to stay the hell away from the Volunteers of America because they are not a tried and true facility and they are a disaster. And I'm speaking from personal experience with the situation with the Winchester House in Winchester, Indiana and their debacle with the Volunteers of America. On to the questions. Thank you. Next question will go first to Mr. Reidenhauer. Um, another question about housing. Um, as mayor, how do you make sure that student housing and other rental property in the city is in decent condition? Well, I think one of the things we have to do is if we've got to enforce the codes that exist. I think that that's the that's the way. There's plenty of there's plenty of there are numerous rules in place, and we have to enforce those. So one of the things that I've talked with some in the police department and some with our reserves is I'm probably going to try and utilize the reserves who are required to spend a certain number of hours each month to help with enforcement uh, of these uh, ordinances. And I think that, that, and that was their idea, not my idea. Uh, so that's one way. Once we improve the... Once we improve the enforcement procedures, then we can move forward with uh, with making sure that the landlords do what they need to do. Can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> As mayor, how do you make sure that student housing and other rental property in the city is in decent condition? Well, if you haven't been out there, most of them are remodeling right now to compete with all the other uh, facilities that are coming. Um, and at the rate that Ball State's going, most of those houses are going to either be torn down because they own most of them. And there's already <coughs> places to make sure that happens. Um, I don't believe it's just going through there after the question was asked maybe a week ago. There's not very many blight situations out there. You'll see that they've remodeled everything. But there are situations where uh, those tenants or those owners are competing with Ball State um, in those rentals, so it's making it hard for them to uh, remodel and different things like that. So we just have to enforce the ordinances on the books, and we're going to build a better relationship with Ball State since um, we are competing with Ball State on rentals and all the property that's out in that um, neighborhood. What we're hearing from students is that yes, they are remodeling the outside of the buildings. The problems are happening on the inside of the buildings. 
things that are happening that are dilapidating the facilities that our students and those who are renting are living in. Yes, there are codes that need to be enforced, and we have code enforcement officers that are in place to do that. We want to give them the opportunity to do their jobs. We believe that it is important to have a rental registry so that people know that we want to make sure that what's going on on the outside of the building is also happening on the inside of the building. And we do know that that was something that came before the council um, a couple of years ago that Mr. Rittenauer voted against. And we want to make sure that we're doing what we can for our students. If we care about our students and we want them to stay here, then we need to work with them. Thank you. This question will go first to Mr. Smith. Uh, in at least one of, the, one of the candidates' answers to another question that's kind of alluded to things that happened with the, the oil steel plant controversy. And I guess I'd just like to ask all three of you for this question here. What lessons do you take from that steel plant controversy? When it first even came up, I was one of the first people like, what in the world would they be bringing this to Muncie, Indiana? I know we can't be that broke that we'll just push that here. And I, I went to post it real quick and everybody's like, crazy. Um, but I have a, a child that was that had to deal with mercury in his body. So that was one of the sites that I'm on. It came up real quick and I was like, I don't want to expose my kids to this stuff. So I was real um, outspoken about it. And then it took a while and then everybody started being spoken. But I was very against it from the get-go. Um, but I definitely know we have to watch uh, companies that are trying to sneak in since we are in a situation where we do need money. We want companies coming in um, but we definitely have to do our research and not just take their um, their documentation of what they're actually putting into our ear. Um, I believe someone said he was part of the council to ensure that they um, were part of that situation, but uh, we definitely have to watch it. Thank you. The most important word that Mr. Smith used is we. Not one person was responsible for bringing that company here. So there are a lot of fingers that we can point to in saying should have done that. This person should have done this. We can sit here all evening and do that. The most important thing that I want you to remember is that you spoke up. You did your research. You helped the city and the city council to see what was wrong. You have the power and the ability to help us. I love the fact that we have grassroots leadership and grassroots energy. Please continue to keep that energy as we move forward into 2020. That's how we're gonna make a better one scene. This is one, and, and I'm excited that this question came up because what the Wales facility did for us is it got people, a whole group of people who previously would have very little knowledge or interest in what's going on in our city that are now interested in what's going on regularly, continuing to comment. It's wonderful. And I've seen that happen in two other events. With the rental registry, we had the same thing. We had packed 
for we had packed council meetings where people were just dead set against it. And in the end, how it happened was we found out the city wasn't able to fund to do it, which is why I'm looking at having police reserve officers do some of it. And then the third thing was on EMS. The reason EMS took so long and they had to go around everybody is because the public was engaged. When the public is engaged, you get what you want. And now I know I'm probably beating a dead horse here, but I want to make sure that I point this out. I'm not overly concerned what these candidates learned with the steel dust, Wales sustainable product fiasco. I'm not concerned with what they learned about it. I'm concerned with what the citizens learned about it. Yes, the citizens came together and spoke out, but then they immediately went away. They made Facebook pages. They're still posting when meetings happen, but nobody comes to the meetings. So that's what we need to focus on. People being involved and engaged all the way down the line, not just at the 11th hour every time. Okay, this question will go first to Ms. Bailey. Uh, how will you ensure as mayor that you will be accessible to Muncie citizens? Well, I'm accessible now, so not, that's not going to change. Um, being accessible doesn't always just mean having an open door. Because when you come to my office, I am going to close the door because the things that you talk to me about are things that are going to be between the two of us. So open door policy is important when I say I want you to come and see, you know, come and talk with me. But I want you to know that I'll be accessible because I'm going to be coming to you. I'm going to be available. I, I'm already on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you can always find me in those places. I'm at, I have access to a Google Calendar that many people know where I am all the time. So it's exciting to know that people even want to know how can I be accessible because I'm already accessible. So please come and, come and see about us. Come and share with us. Come and tell us what we need to know. Right. I think there, there's a number of ways that I will continue to be accessible. Number one is I have I have attended hundreds, literally hundreds of neighborhood association meetings all across the city. I think things happen from the grassroots. That's why I'm so excited about the, the increased interest by the public and the increased attendance at the city council meetings. The increase at the meetings only occurred for one meeting, so let's be careful what we're saying here. That's when things change, and I think Muncie's ready for a change. So I will continue to be accessible by going to you. I will go to you as mayor every single month. We'll rotate the various neighborhood association meetings where we will have a monthly update on what's going on. And then I, I will answer the calls. Um, I don't do a whole lot on Twitter, and, but I, 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 I have worked my way into Facebook. Uh, but I'm very accessible. You can come in, and, uh, and I enjoy hearing what people have to say. So please, please, please reach out to me. Um, I am very accessible. Um, I've been in the community all my life. I like talking to people because I believe that solves the problems. Um, I believe that I'll continue to be accessible uh, before those that know me and they watch me on Facebook. You know I never really talk too much about my job or what I do at work or any of those things, but while I'm at work, I do my job. Um, so I'm going to be accessible. I'm already in the community. I'm in a lot of places that
that I can't even talk about because I just go and I just watch and observe things. I mean, it's how you learn to figure out things is by being there. Um, so I'll just continue to do what I do. Um, I have an open door policy. What you talk to me about, I don't put it out there. I just listen to what you say, come up with a plan, and move forward. Um, I believe I'll continue to um, make new friendships, new relationships, and I believe that's what will help our community. So there was an article in the paper recently about the city's paving plan and, and progress on its, its paving uh, during paving season this year. So vice uh, member asked, any comment on the recent paving issue? Well. It is an unusual year, um, so I, I will give them credit for that. Um, it has been an unusual year with the two large projects that we're funding. Um, but we have we have had streets that we typically put out a two-year paving plan. Um, and I did go after after an event last week, um, and I was it was mentioned that there was a three-year list on the website. I never did find it. Um, there were three years, but they were three years back. We have got to, we've got to put together people who understand and are willing to make uh, a change in our paving. And I think the only way you do that is with planning long term and, and sticking to that plan. So the paving is a critical piece and if you go back to the very first question, I think paving and the infrastructure was one of the two focuses that I had. Um, so, I will put together that plan, and we will take care of the paving issue. Mr. Smith. I believe the paving issue is definitely an issue, but I can tell you I'm not going to sugarcoat it and give you made-up projects to fix problems. We definitely have to uh, fix the mix that we're putting on our uh, roads. We're definitely going to have to get people um, that's not – we're going to have to create a different standard of who these kids go to, period. Um, we could just say we need somebody to pay the roads and then give it to the lowest bidder, but I believe it starts from the standard of what we ask these people to do when we set the contracts and say, hey, we need the roads to do this, 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 and then you put your bids in, but you gotta at least uh, meet these standards um, to get that uh, that job, and I believe we haven't been successful in that, just like the roads I see, and um, it's definitely gonna have to be a plan, a long-term plan that fixes the roads. Yes, I want to start my comments by um, just commenting with what Mr. Rittenauer said about attending hundreds of neighborhood association meetings. You are my council person and you've never been to my neighborhood association. As far as paving is concerned, that is a difficult subject. We have about $200,000, which sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. And we provide those dollars to the street department to supplement what they have in the projects they're, that they're doing. And Mr. Bittauer is correct. Those last three years were 16, 17, and 18. But we provided to the media this week the list for 19. So it should be in the newspaper, maybe today's paper or tomorrow's paper, because we realize that at least from our department, when we get our dollars in August, we can share information with you now. This question will go. Uh, first to Mr. Smith, um, what's your so we, we talked earlier about the, the, the drug problem. What's your perception about a homelessness problem in Muncie, and what should be done about it? Well, we do definitely have a homeless situation, and most of that has when I have talked to them, 
is then because they have a um, situation that their health will allow them to be in the facilities that they're trying to get in or the rules that they try to um, they put in place don't allow them to stay up for so long. Um, so that is a problem and it, it has to be addressed, but I believe that the Muncie Mission um, has come to the council um, action to resolve some areas to kind of deal with that situation and start building so that they can uh, deal with it. Uh, so as a city, we can just keep on supporting them as they're dealing with it, um, but it is a, becoming a problem. Um, and then we just as citizens have to be accountable to help. When we see somebody down, we're going to be a better community. If we see somebody that's down, we got to do more than just say, oh man, that's pretty sad that they're going through that. That's going to be one of us one day. As far as uh, the homelessness situation is concerned, at the end of January every year, uh, all across the United States, there's a point in time count that is taken uh, of the homeless people that are in your city and county. The numbers in the last eight years in our county have actually gone down. The problem is, though, they're looking for the people that are homeless under bridges or that are in our homeless shelters. We have people that are sleeping on couches in someone's house or in garages or in their cars. And so we have places, uh, organizations that are in place to help the, this problem. My office actually funds all of them, Christian Ministries, um, A Better Way, YWCA, Muncie Mission. But we have to remember, again, they're people too. If we see a homeless person, even if we don't have money for them, just talk to them. Help them to know that you care about them, and we'll see what we can do to continue to grow that. Right. Well, and I, I think uh, I'm in agreement with, with Steve that we've, we've got to do more. We've got to look for ways to do more funding uh, and, and receive that probably more grant dollars, but more funding that would help in those areas. The Muncie Mission, I think, has done some wonderful work. Some other organizations have done some wonderful work, but they're limited by the funds. And I think we as a city need to take a priority toward looking on how we can fund those facilities so that they can expand and cover whatever we need to cover. It's positive that things have gone down, but there's always going to be that type of situation, and we need to have continual, regular funding for our organizations. Organizations, and uh, they will continue to do their very good work. Thank you. Now, the next question will go first to, to Ms. Bailey. Uh, <clears throat> so, Muncie's fortunate to have a lot of uh, active nonprofit organizations. Uh, do you have any plans to the, the, the city can better support or work with these these nonprofit organizations for the betterment of the city? Absolutely. There is a grant that has actually been uh, designated to our community through the Lilly Endowment to assist nonprofits in their leadership. So some of that is helping new leaders that are working in nonprofits to do the job that they do. Many times nonprofit leaders get involved because they're passionate about something. They really believe in whatever the work is that they're doing, but they may not have other skills that they need to have. So, so the Community Foundation is going to be working with Lilly Endowment to do that. The other part is helping those nonprofits to understand how maybe they can work together, maybe even merge, maybe even collaborate so that they can get additional um, resources or share resources 
as we talked about earlier. Um, that's one of the things that I've done with several organizations, the AIM program, which is a summer program, as well as when Cornerstone was merged, that was part of the leadership program that I did. So. Right. Yes, I've, I've been very personally very active and passionate about, uh, I want to help the young kids and I want to help the seniors. Those are the, of, the, of the two. Those are the two that I want to help the most. And so I, 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 meet, I very early on uh, joined an organization called Home Savers of Delaware County. And it does very good work. It does very good work. What we do at Home Savers of Delaware County is we do home repairs for seniors who are below the poverty level so that they can stay in their homes and not have to move out. So sometimes it's fixing a floor, sometimes it's repairing a roof, sometimes it's a new windows, sometimes it's electrical, but that type of work is very important. And often it's ramps. One of the things that you'll find is collaborating is, a, is, a, is important. We, uh, I'm part of the committee that's putting together what we'll call, we're calling, calling a, a seniors group. Um, and we're working with other groups that focus on seniors, like the Senior Center, on how we can get some additional funding together. So we're working on those things. Mr. Smith. For those that have lived in Muncie, you should know by now, five of our biggest employers are nonprofit organizations. All State, Meridian Service, um, the school system. It's a lot of things that we can do to come together, but it's going to take leadership to bring these individuals together. New leadership. I have to emphasize that because we have leaders in place that could have done this, but they haven't done it. I'm not throwing any stones, but if it takes you just to get in the leading position to start doing these things, then we got a problem. So I'm saying that if you're going to do those things, then do it now. I actually do these things now. I actually deal with youth. I actually get funding for uh, nonprofit organizations. So if we're going to talk about what is we're going to do to work with these foundations, we should be doing them already, not wait till I get in the position, as we said um, earlier about waiting. So I believe it's, you have to already be doing it. And, and that's how we're going to get to work better, so we got to see you doing it now. Next question will go first to Mr. Reidenauer. So the three of you all have, you know, varied experience that's applicable, I think it's fair to say, to, to a job like uh, Mayor Muncie. Who's elected, what will you do to get up to what will you do to get up to speed regarding your responsibilities and the needs of the community in areas maybe where you don't have existing expertise? Well, I have never been a mayor. And so I have already met with Mayor Cannon three times, former Mayor Cannon three times. Um, I've, obviously, I've had many conversations with Mayor Tyler, but I've also got, I've met with the, uh, Scott McFadden in uh, Fishers, uh, and I have another appointment with him coming up, and I just had a meeting this past week with Lawrence, so Lawrence, Indiana. So in order for me to get up to speed, I like to feel, I, I feel success is much easier if you model what others are doing that is successful. And so I'm going to cities and getting guidance from them on what they did to get through some challenges and brought their cities to the level that they exist now. And so I'm trying to model some of those examples, um, and, uh, and those are some of the things that I'm doing. Um, I'm fortunate to have three mentors. Um, the first mayor, uh, minority mayor of Denver, Colorado, was my mentor. Uh, that's where I got the idea from the airport. And 
in a, a marriage in Chicago and one in Florida. Um, I truly believe after experiencing becoming a principal where I had to deal with the Department of Education, um, I had to deal with the Muncie City, um, the parents, it, it, it for the job forces you to have to learn um, skills real quick. Um, and of course, I've been studying Muncie politics um, behind the scenes for roughly about seven years. Um, and I had to learn on the outside and find out the information and research and research and go to different cities and research and research it just to find out what actually Muncie was doing um, by uh, examining other cities around us. Um, so I, I definitely know it's a learning curve. I've never been a mayor, but I've definitely been studying the, the politics of Muncie um, just to see how it flows and the people that's in charge uh, to make it a better uh, community. Well, none of us have ever been mayor, but I've been a leader in this community for many, many years. Um, I don't plan to model myself after too many mayors because most of those mayors are good old boys. And I don't want to follow in a political process that has created a system that you're not proud of. So we need to move forward in a way that allows the leader to lead, not necessarily be mayoral in the traditional sense. When I roll up my sleeves, I'm going to get down with the kids. I'm going to get down with the, the seniors. I'm going to interact with all of the people. So it's not just about sitting at a table with my suit on, being with the people that make all the money in town. It's about being a leader, but being there for the people. Thank you. Next question will go first to Mr. Smith. What vision and what plans do you have for downtown Muncie, especially as the jail moves to the new site? Um, that's exciting because uh, I, I look at myself as a visionary. <laughs> But I believe that we have to definitely bring something downtown that's going to attract people downtown that's going along with the project that's coming along the river. Um, but we're definitely going to have to build up um, things that make people come down. One idea I have is definitely um, more of the idea that it's in Memphis, um, where B.B. King was, where they, they, they shut down the street and everybody comes downtown um, every weekend. Uh, but we have to have businesses down there that will attract people uh, to make our downtown um, important. We know we used to have a, a, a mall kind of downtown, but they took it away. So we have to put things down there. Um, if not, then Muncie downtown is going to die. So we're going to have to create an atmosphere people want to come down there for it. The momentum of downtown Muncie is phenomenal. Um, I think there is so much that's happening in our downtown. So when people say that there's nothing to do in Muncie, they haven't been downtown. Uh, First Thursday is something that anybody can go to. It's free. Mad Jacks is doing great things um, in its maker's space. Um, you've got Cornerstone Center for the Arts, Muncie Civic Theater. You've got um, Three Trails Music Series. You've got Cornerstone Park. So we've got things that are already happening and now we've got this building that we're gonna to have to figure out what to do with it. What's interesting to me is that I've already had people come to me 
and say, I've got an idea for this building. I have an idea. I think we should do this or that. So we already have people that are interested in wanting to continue the momentum of what is happening downtown. Again, I am very proud of our downtown. Yeah, I also, uh, my, I work downtown. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, I walk downtown to lunch today and do several times a week. It's, it's, it's wonderful what has happened downtown. Um, a couple of things that I think are important is currently that county building, the, the, the current jail, that is a government entity, and it would certainly be nice if we did something that brought tax revenue dollars into that building. Uh, so rather than doing a, a city project or another county project, uh, it would be really nice to bring in a development that's going to bring dollars that help pay for our schools through taxes, help pay for our general fund through taxes, help pay for the police and fire through taxes, help pay for our library through taxes. So my hope is that I will find and help find uh, with others uh, a, an opportunity that's going to bring tax revenue that will help the entire city of Muncie. Thank you, Um Next question will go first to Ms. Bailey. Um, we asked earlier about you, know, you being accessible to the Muncie citizens. What will you do to make sure that administration information, like like paving plans or, or other things that people would be interested in, are accessible to the public? Well, I think we, we may have covered that earlier. But again, it's very important to make things available to people in the way that they want to receive it. So if people want to be able to find something on their smartphone, they should be able to find information there. If they want a hard copy of something, they should be able to have that information. If they want to be able to go to our website, they should be able to have that information. So it's making sure that the information is available to them in the way that they need to receive it. If they need to print it out and it needs to be in Braille, we need to be able to provide it in the way that it needs to, that they need to receive it. Simple as that. Right. Yeah. Well, this is a very important issue for me. Um, I have multiple times, being on the city council, I have multiple times with three different departments had to file Freedom of Information Acts. And I'm on the city council, uh, and I wasn't able to get the information. So my main focus is going to be turning us into an open and honest government with transparency, total transparency. We will make all these documents available. We will make uh, access available uh, to all the citizens, and you will see that right away. It's something you will see immediately. In January, I don't know how many roads you can fix. Uh, I don't know how many parks you can repair, but in January, you will see that the documents are available. No one will be able to say any longer, I have no idea what's happening with our city government. They will know. I will make sure I believe right now that the transparency is already starting to happen in that because I tried to go get the budgets maybe two or three years ago. You couldn't do it unless you had to jump through hoops. I went down maybe last week and it was, here you go. Um, so I'm sharing with you that it's starting to happen because certain people are in places or they're too scared to block. But before, the administration that was already in place didn't want certain things to be seen. So therefore, I have nothing to hide. It can all be shown. I, I haven't done any of this stuff, so I don't have no problem with the information being uh, seen because it's already supposed to be public access. 
I mean, if there's any documents that you shouldn't be seeing, it's obviously for a reason. So um, anything that I do, I have no problem with you seeing it. Um, and I believe anyone that is appointed ahead uh, will have to be under those civilian guidelines um, or they wouldn't be with us very long after we found out they're not on the up and up. Thank you. Uh, this next question will go first to Mr. Wright now. So um, I guess I, I would ask you, what's your opinion of the current status of police community relations and you know, what, what plans would you have under your administration to address any issues there? Yeah, I, I do not think that, uh, number one, I think the morale inside the police department is very poor. Uh, it's not, they are frustrated uh, with the inconsistencies that they're feeling uh, and with the incidences that have come out in the last uh, last week, uh, that it's a major challenge. It's a major challenge. And as we as we do this, number one, and I I, was, I mentioned this last week, I, my police chief would be doing would have done an internal investigation when this incident happened. Uh, if and if they didn't, they would no longer be the police chief. That should have been investigated. It should have been managed more properly. Uh, and that's what's created the situation we're in now with Justice, uh, Justice Department investigations in another city department. Um, I believe we have a uh, good police department. I most, know most of them. Um, but I believe we have to have a zero tolerance for hiding anything. Um, I believe there's been a lot of cover up over the years, and I believe we're going to be faced with all those in the next um, year or so. Um, but I believe it starts with the leadership and building the trust between the community. I believe that right now the communication between the police and the actual community is horrible. Um, I believe there is no accountability um, from the community in what they actually do. Um, unfortunately, every cop on earth police force isn't bad, but we've had some bad apples come through, and they went on their way, and when they left here, they left the bad names for the ones that stayed behind. Um, so we definitely have to have a zero tolerance. Also, we have to get their grant back. Um, currently, they're going without a grant um, that they've had in the past that they need to be able to do some things that they need to do, and then they just got to build a relationship back up. Um, I remember when I was a kid, they would come through the neighborhood, so we have to build that back up. Great. I know how it feels to be a part of a work team when there's someone within the team that may not be doing the right thing and it causes a black eye for the whole organization. I know how that feels. So I sympathize with the police right now in that it's hard when there's somebody that may have done something inappropriately, in a corrupt way, and all of you, or all of them, are being blamed for it. I know how that feels, and it does not feel good. I do have to say that I have seen positive police and community relations. I can say that they're a negative, but what I have seen has been positive. I have enjoyed the time that I've spent with the police in a ride along. I have enjoyed watching how they communicate, and I don't think they did that for my benefit. So there are good police out there, and we want to build on that uh, in our community relations aspect. Thank you. 
This question will go first to Mr. Smith. Uh, the current administration is under investigation from a couple of different angles. Uh, if elected, what actions will you take to rebuild the reputation of Muncie City Government and restore citizen confidence? If they are put back in place, we won't build it. Every department, you name it, is not has been touched by the corruption and the criminal activity. So to put them back in place, you're putting the crime back in place. So with a new administration, you're getting a fresh start. No matter how much I try to get up here and say, don't put the same people back in, don't put the same people back in. If Muncie actually wants to go forward and actually have a fresh start, you've got to start with new people. Every department, there ain't no department that's not touched by it. Every department, and we don't know how deep it goes, so we literally have to start fresh. Are we going to, it takes one bad apple and make the whole administration bad again. So therefore, we need to start all over if we want a better government. That's my, my whole thoughts about it. We know that the culture of an organization doesn't just lie in the leadership. Um, as I worked at Ball State University, there was a culture at the university that when the leader comes in, they understand that there's a certain culture. Now, again, that doesn't mean that everybody in the organization is corrupt. And frankly speaking, I'm getting kind of tired of people talking like that. My mother sits in this audience right now, and all she has to do is clear her throat, and I know I've done something wrong. <laughs> I am not a corrupt person. I'm getting tired of people putting me in that boat because that is not what my office has done. Yes, there were some bad apples. Yes, there are some people that are in prison now. Yes, we needed to take care of that, and we need to move on. No matter what, there's going to be new leadership. All of us would be a new mayor. So you're going to get new leadership. You're going to get new ideas. You're going to get a fresh, fresh perspective, no matter who is elected mayor. So the current administration is under investigation from a couple of different angles. If elected, what actions will you take to rebuild the reputation of Muncie City Government and restore citizen confidence? Okay, so this is this is not about restating any negative. This is about what would you do to rebuild it. What I will do to rebuild it, number one, is we build the trust of the citizens, and you do that by being open and honest and transparent. Number two, I'm going to change all department heads, period. Every department head is going to change. Uh, you've got to have fresh eyes. You've got to have new, new thoughts. You've got to have new people in place that are qualified for those positions. So that's number two. Number three, you've got to communicate and develop relationships. And you do that by going to the individuals that you're trying to develop the relationship with and because the 15th been up. Uh, so you, you have to develop the new relationships. And I, I don't, I, I'm not understanding the timing. Number one, we're going to be open and honest and transparent. Number two, we're going to replace all the people and start over with fresh ideas. Next question will be addressed first to Ms. Bailey. Um, as mayor, what plans would you have to build on the current relationship between the city and Ball State University? 
Oh, that's a good, good question. Um, we've already started relationships. I've, I've never stopped the relationship that I had with the university, and I've been gone from Ball State since 2004. It's important to have that relationship. Um, I've met with President Burns um, actually the very first day he was here. I made sure that I made myself known and available to him and want to make sure that we have the relationship not only at the top, but also the other areas within the university. Uh, the Building Better Communities program is very important, as well as the immersive learning and the student voluntary services where we have students that come throughout our community. So it's important to make sure that, that the university knows that we want to be a working partner with them, but that is a relationship that is a given, but we also want to make sure that Ivy Tech is in that same um, vein, because Ivy Tech is just as important as Ball State University. Right. I have, um, I have a very good relationship with President Mearns, um, and I speak regularly with, Doc, with Jim Lowe um, on the facilities. I think Ball State looks wonderful. It's beautiful when you drive through it. And, and I think with their leadership, uh, they will continue to do wonderful things for Ball State University. I want us to activate a more aggressive approach. And, and this is something I learned from Lawrence, or was shared with me from, from uh, one of the employees at Lawrence this past week. They had six uh, interns uh, come in and help in their, uh, in, uh, in their city this past year. Two of them stayed. Uh, the other four moved on to other projects, but I, I want to develop that relationship to, to where we can take advantage of their urban planning, we can take advantage of their management program, that we're already taking advantage uh, in a positive way with the Muncie Community Schools. It's exciting what's possible. Mr. Smith. I believe the relationship with Ball State is very crucial. Um, I believe that we still have to make sure that we're embedding Muncie as a whole and not just one area. Um, I definitely have to protect the citizens that are around that neighborhood that they don't lose their homes that they uh, work so hard for. I got to make sure that there's a balance between um, them growing, which they are going to grow, um, and that we all are on the same page. I don't have a relationship besides I shook his hand when I graduated, um, but besides that, um, I have to protect the citizens of Muncie that they aren't pushed out of what they've built up their whole life. So um, I definitely will have to build that relationship um, and make sure that we're all on the same page. But best, better all, I just gotta make sure that the citizens of Muncie aren't pushed over and uh, displaced because they are grown. So we definitely have to build that relationship. Thank you. Uh, this next question will go first to Mr. Audience question. Uh, there's some concern that uh, spending at the Muncie Sanitary District is out of control. Uh, uh, of the TV commercials, historical markers, and other enormous spending plans, I say. What's your view on um, the administration of Muncie Sanitary District under your administration? If you're like? Well, and we'll, we'll replace board members as well. But when you look at the Muncie Sanitary District, and, and I commented on this recently, they have purchased two properties that were, in, and it's the exact opposite of what I want to do with the county building. 
They purchased two properties that were income-producing properties because they were for-profits who owned those buildings. And that's the old USI, that's what I call it, uh, First Merchants Insurance Building downtown where they're going to move their headquarters. And then the old U-Haul building um, where they're planning on putting a facility. I think that we need our agencies to work more closely together and make sure that we're not pulling funds away from our schools, our general fund, our police, our fire, uh, and, and that's exactly what this has done. Over the 20 years that it'll take to pay off this bond, it's 740 some thousand dollars is pulled out of our general fund and away from our schools because we bought those properties. Mr. Smith. We definitely will definitely have the oversight on that. Um, just understanding that they have a direction and a vision already amongst themselves, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but I know that although all the board members might be might not be replaced, some of them will. Um, but we definitely have to uh, look at that because not only are they moving there, but they'll be taking funds out of the building where they're currently in downtown. They're in the city building, so therefore that money won't come into the city building. So not only did it take taxes out of our tax base by going into a new building buying those facilities. They still want to spend all this money um, that probably needs to be relooked at why we're spending so much money going into these bonds. Even though it's been approved, we can definitely go back in and reopen those and see if that's going to fit in our budget. Um, so we're definitely going to really look at what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing um, and if it's beneficial for our community. Thank you. What we do need to remember with the Muncie Sanitary District is that they're trying to fulfill a responsibility that they have to the U.S. Army of Engineers that should have been started 20 years ago that previous administrations did not pay attention to with regard to stormwater separation and making sure that levees are where they're supposed to be. And so that's one of the reasons why our bills have gone up. Now, as far as the spending that they're doing, I think that there's still an opportunity for us to renegotiate what it is that we might be able to do with them. But we have to remember that we made some mistakes as a community 20 years ago that now we're paying for. Thank you. Okay, this will be the final question before closing statements. The question will go first to Mr. Smith. Now, let's see if we can end on a positive note here. Can you tell me something you admire about each of your two opponents? <laughs> See, this is a good thing about watching your opponent and studying your opponent. Um, I believe each one of them, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I believe each opponent has their characteristics that are bringing. Um, I think Ms. Bailey, um, she is definitely a well-educated woman um, that has definitely worked in the community. Um, I believe Dan um, is a good business person that is going to bring a lot to the, the city, regardless of it's as leader or not. Um, so I believe uh, I have two good opponents, uh, but still I think I'm the best for the job. Um, but um, at the end of the day, they are good people that have Muncie's best interest in mind. It's just who's going to be the person that's going to lead us um, into the future and not have someone um, pulling you a different direction. Which I think they both have a, a head on their mind that they can do it. Um, it's just will they be into the pressure of those behind the scenes that says you got to do this? So that's uh, my positive things on these each other. Hey, 
I would say that the thing that I admire about my two opponents is that they're Christian men. And uh, I don't look at their Facebook pages. I'm not, I don't like, you know, the like button on their pages, but I watch them in the community. And I know that they have Christian values, and I know that they want the best for this community. And I admire that, and I appreciate that. They don't have to, you know, carry a big giant Bible and a giant cross on around their necks. But I see the, the, the way that they personify Christian values, and, and I really admire that. Well, I'll start with, with Terry. Uh, Terry and I, we're, we're, I don't want to call us Rotary Buddies, but we're, we're both members of Rotary. The thing about Terry is she's, she always seems pleasant. She has often has a lot of smiles, uh, and she's very well educated. So uh, I appreciate that so much about you. Um, with Steve, he's tall. He's a great basketball player, and I love basketball. Uh, have Pacers season tickets, uh, and he has a passion for our city. So I would say your passion and your pleasant. Is probably what I would what I would say about both of them. And what a great question! Was that your question or from the audience? Uh, Excellent. <laughs> That's why you're the moderator. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, to wrap up the evening, each candidate gets to make a sixty second closing statement. Yeah, in rotation, we're back. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, I want to say thank you to all of you for sticking around. It's been a long night of looking at talking heads, so I really appreciate you you being here. Thanks to the Bowen Center, excuse me, for producing this excuse me this event. I want to remind you that um, I'm a person who loves God. I love my family. I love this city. I love the color yellow, and I love Wonder Woman. Those people that know me know that those are the things that I love. And they see me around this community doing, hopefully doing things that would better this community. I want to be your next mayor because I believe I have been prepared for such a time as this. I am so excited about what has been happening over these last several months. And it has built the strength, I've built the strength and the courage to be able to take on this responsibility. Because no, it's not an easy task, but I am ready for it. Terry Whit Bailey, thank you. Right. First of all, thank you to everyone here this evening, and uh, thank you to the organizers of this event. Thank you to my two opponents. Uh, I appreciate everybody's input. The reality is one of the three of us will be the next mayor, but if the three of us were voting, it'd be a tie. It's up to you guys. It's up to all of you. And you get to choose the direction we go. I, what I will guarantee you is the direction will change if I am elected. Um, I have the business experience that we need. I have the values that I think that we need. And I have the fresh eyes that I think that, you, that we need. The, you've, you've, you are going to make the choice on whether we stay with what we have, or whether we go a new direction. You alone. Because we're going to vote. I think I know how the three of us will vote. It doesn't matter how we would vote. It's what you do. And I'm excited that, that you have this opportunity to take Muncie 
to a new direction with new people in the positions to bring us forward in a positive way. And I would be, I'd love to be that person to do it. Please vote for me on November 5th. Thank you. Mr. Smith. Um, I would like to thank Ball State University and the Bowman Center for this opportunity to uh, be able to speak to the people. One thing that I want to leave you guys with is um, I am a lion, which is Longfellow. I am a titan, which is Northside. I am a Bearcat, which is Central. And I am a Cardinal, which is Ball State. I believe I am a true product of Muncie, and I have been a mentor in the community all my life. I've been here, and I didn't flee or I didn't go away. I believe with me will bring a fresh start with no ties to the circumstances we currently find our community in, and together we can shift our future together um, as we move forward. So when we vote, just remember that there is no ties to me of this current situation at all. So November the 5th, remember me, Steve Smith, when you push the button. And also, vote split ticket. Don't vote straight down the line. Vote for people that get the job done. I want to thank everybody, Janice and audience alike, for attending the forum tonight, helping us be informed and, and coming here to be informed. Let's have another round of applause. Also. All right, so that's going to wrap up the second half of the program. You just got done hearing from the mayoral candidates for the city of Muncie. In the first half of the program, you heard from the city council candidates. Tonight's candidate forum was made possible by Ball State University in conjunction with the Bowen Center for Public Affairs, along with Muncie Community School Corporation. Tonight's event was sponsored by Citizens of Delaware County for Good Government, Mid-Eastern Indiana Association of Realtors, and Farm Bureau of Delaware County, Indiana. I want to thank these groups for putting this on and for allowing me to stream live and record the event live. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this extremely long and very special 42nd episode of my podcast, Perception is Reality. I want to make it clear that this is generally where I would say who I felt won or how I felt everyone did. I think most candidates did a fantastic job. I feel like we have a lot of good candidates to choose from as long as the citizens of Muncie come out on Election Day. I want to make sure everyone knows, if you're listening to this before 11.59 p.m. on Monday, October 7th, that you still have time to register to vote. Voters' registration for the state of Indiana, the deadline is 11.59 p.m. on Monday, October 7th, 2019. So if you're listening to this before then, you still have time if you're not registered. If you are registered, you need to be advised that early voting begins just the next day. So depending on when you're listening to this, early voting begins on Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. So I want you to be prepared for that. 
And I also want you guys to know that I'm going to save my announcements of who I felt did what after I complete my interviews with the candidates. Right now, as of the recording of this episode, I have all three Muncie mayoral candidates lined up for an interview, and I'll be releasing that for you all to hear. That's a special in-depth, one-on-one, probably 20 to 30 minute long episode each, where I'll be talking with them by ourselves going deeper into questions, probably 8 to 10 questions, and I'll be getting to the heart of some of these serious matters. So be looking for that here at Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. You'll be able to find that on all major podcast hosting sites, as well as at the home link of perception.fireside.fm. And as always, stay tuned to the Facebook account, Christopher H. Bilbury, or by going to www.facebook.com backslash Bilbury318 to stay up to date with the supplemental live videos. Again, thank you very much for tuning in. Please spread this word, spread the message, and get this out there. I know this was long. You can jump around, listen to what you need to in it, but this is very, very important. Again, thank you for all the work you do. Thank you for spreading the word and continue helping to grow this platform. You've been listening to a very special episode of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I want to thank all the candidates. I want to thank everyone that made this possible. And I want to thank you all. Until next time, God bless, be safe, stay engaged, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Look up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.